One man proved that it could be good to be the bad guy. Say hello to Razor Ramon, El Jefe. When that music played, got that machismo going. Hey, Ray, so what happened to you last night? He knew he was the man. Get out of here. Adios. I was always a big fan of Razor Ramon. Just push kids in the fountains and just being awesome. I cleared a table for you, man. The toothpick, the way he held himself, it was just magic. Something happened to this boat. Something going to happen to you, man. Came and called himself the bad guy, acted like a bad guy, but people loved him. He actually made it cool to be the bad guy. Nobody beats the bad guy. Razor was great. Big guy, great in the ring. Here comes the patented Razor's Edge. The guy would lift you over his head and throw you on the ground. That's a long way down. All I want is their world and everything in it. And what Razor wants, Razor gets. Yes, yes, yes! Becoming the first ever four-time Intercontinental Champion. the great ladder matches that have taken place in history and yet here we are how many years later and we're still talking about Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon and we should be perfect scenario Wrestlemania who's the real intercontinental champion oh uh, history is made I've never seen anything like this ever seeing them do what they do I was completely blown away This was their chance to get to the next level. And they went out there and just knocked it out of the park. I cannot believe Ramon is the undisputed Intercontinental Champion. Razor Ramon finally held up both Intercontinental titles. It was awesome. It was such a great match that it upped the ante of the whole industry. Everybody that worked at Razor Ramon came out the other side twice as good or even better than they were before. With the legacy that he's left, I think it's really cool that the bad guy's getting inducted to the Hall of Fame. Look at me now! This is the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro wrestling history. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world revolve on you? The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the excellence of execution, the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the heartbreak kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest in peace. Get used to it in Ric Flair, who you're looking at the man.
Cause here the bad boys are wrestling Testing competition, win the war, that's their mission Not no mercy, see the race like the street If you don't know, you better find out the war pack Here to prove a point, number one Just believe that you don't wanna tussle with them I'll be here for them, come in the ring with them You're never walking out again What's going on there, Reflectionites? What's going on there to the PWCites? What's going on to the Haminites? What's going on to the Big Vitoites? What's going on to the Israelites? What's going on to the Ukraineites? What's going on to the Russianites? And all the Irites out there. You know what? Like I said last week on the PWR podcast, here at the PWR Snappers at Podbean.com, I was going to, I keep my promises to the Magnificent Seven, to the Elite Eight, to the Naughty Nine, to the Terrific Ten, the Essential Eleven, to the John McCugans, to the Donna Destructions, to the Green Pieces, to the Phyllis Scott Wood, to the A-Track Blacks, you know who you are, to the Sp- Phil Schmetnicks, SNS Express, every one of y'all. I know you hit up the, the Professor and the DMs. You know, you kept saying, Scott Hall Spotlight, Scott Hall Spotlight, Scott Hall Spotlight. But you know what? It is time. Reflectionites, it is time to do it right. Like I said, we're gonna do it right. You know, all the other podcasts, we're gonna do it quickly. They wanted to be the first. We wanted to be the best. That's the way I feel. You don't have to be the first at everything. You gotta be the best at it. You gotta be right at it. You gotta give it the right, uh, you know, dedication. That's the way the professor's philosophy is. When I do a spotlight, especially like I did with uh, Brody Lee, rest in peace. I waited a whole damn year because I didn't want to jump on the bandwagon of people. And just like Scott Hall, rest in peace, Scott Hall, who is up in heaven right now. He's finally free from his demons. I wanted to do it right for Scott Hall. I didn't want to be first like all the other podcasts. I just wanted to be the best at doing this. So welcome to the Pro Wrestling Spotlight of the man you know as Reza Ramon. The man that you knew as the Diamond Stud. The man that you knew as Gator Scott Hall. And what was that other one, T.W.? Starship Wolf, I think. Starship Wolf. Well, I know he's the, one of the starships with Danny Spivey, but we're going to talk about it as T.W. is holding up a Reza Ramon action figure. One of the WWE collectibles that's available on WWEshopzone.com. Shameless plug. But anyway, I must introduce myself because I am vain like that. I am the most magnanimous man. I am the most scholarly man. But most importantly, I am the most, I uh, don't want to say glorious because I'm not glorious t- this week. I am the most humble man in the IWC, YWC. Your friend and mine, the Professor Chabeva Cruz. And I can't do this spotlight alone. I'm going to have to, you know, tag off to my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, the man who has some indie stories about this gentleman, Scott Hall, right now. He is your friend of mine, Dr. Frankenstein. The Iron Stomach one, Dum Dum doing the idiot's own, the liberal conservative, the conservative liberal, Tommy Strong, aka the Tommy Wonder. How are you doing, my friend? He was American Starship Coyote. Amer- okay, uh, at least um, you got it right. I don't have any stories about Scott Hall. I have one, and and I, I have a story of meeting him as a fan too. So I met him as a fan, and almost thirty years later, as a peer, if you will. That, that that's what the, that's all that matters here for Actually, all the reflection. 20, Twenty years, twenty years later. 20, twenty years, but there is an experience that TW has as a quote unquote peer 
when he met Scott Hall. We'll, we'll, t- we'll delve into that a little bit later because you know how we do. We do the chronology here on the PWR podcast. We do the chronology. We go from the beginning to the end. And, of course, we will focus in on some matches. And TN Coupon, you know, I... Shout out to Tian Coupon. He gave us some matches. He he wanted us to talk about some matches. But of course, we are we're gonna get into those Tian Coupon. We might talk about that ladder match from WrestleMania or that ladder match from SummerSlam. But of course, we'll talk about some of his greatest matches of all time. But you know what? It's even more than the matches, TW. Before we even delve into his chronology, I, I think the one thing that we have to at least talk about, because you know, nobody no human being, male, female, you know, trans, or whatever the case may be. Nobody's a perfect human being. Everybody's got their flaws. Everybody is suffering from their demons, mental, physical, you know, whatever the case may be, TW. And, you know, we got to be truthful here on this spotlight. And this is not, you know, to downgrade or to denigrate the, the memory of Scott Hall. I'm not trying to do that. But Scott Hall is not a perfect man. So, you know... When, when I said, and I really mean what I said, and I said, you know, he's up he's up in heaven because the demons are away from him. He doesn't have to worry about that. He doesn't have to worry about those stresses. You know, alcohol alcoholism is a, is a crutch. You know, drugs is his demons. We know about this. And, and, you know, the weird thing, when I was doing the kind of like taking my notes, TW, the, the pandemic, you know how they said that the pandemic... You know how people suffer from depression because of the pandemic. People suffered, you know, from whatever the case may be. There was it wasn't the disease that killed people during the COVID pandemic. It was depression. It was all that stuff. Scott Hall was a victim of depression. Scott Hall was a victim of the pandemic because he had nowhere to go to make his money. He he couldn't do those autograph sessions. He couldn't do appearances. He couldn't hang out with his click buddies if he wanted to because people were staying home doing the Zoom calls. Scott Hall didn't do a Zoom call. He can't do a Zoom call. And, and, and tragic enough, before he died a couple of weeks before, he was in his home on the floor for days. That's how he broke his hip, TW. And like I said, the pandemic, he was... He, had, he couldn't, like, talk to his best friends. He couldn't hang out with his best friends. So what do you do? You go to your vices. You go to the, the demons got, in, you know, got control of Scott Hall again during the pandemic. It's such a sad, sad thing to say, but I have to at least address it right now. I didn't want to wait till the end to, like, say that. I just want to get it out the way. Demons were, were bad. It was a motherfucker, and and the pandemic really exacerbated that. What say you, TW, about that? Well, so there's the old saying: the idle mind is the devil's workshop. You're you're left alone to your own devices. Good luck, you know. And and so, I know personally, when everything got shut down roughly two years ago, right now, the three months I spent on my couch, I'll tell you what: if it wasn't for that house party app. And Skype and Zoom, where my friends mm-hmm. that I hang out with every Thursday, Thursday, and all that, we all got together on Skype calls and did like shots from afar, you know, like to just mm-hmm. feel like you had some kind of camaraderie. And, you know, it's funny because we were all getting paid. I, I wonder if Scott Hall and them were able to get the uh, the unemployment. Like, you know what I mean? Because a lot of those guys didn't save their money. Um, I was well, actually. Well, let, not, me, let, me, let me just answer that. Let me just. Scott Hall was still getting paid from his merch. The Scott, the Razor Ramon right. T-shirts, and the NWO. He has said it on kayfabe commentaries a lot. The last twenty years, he is. I'm not going to say he's a millionaire because of the NWO merch, but he gets a pretty hefty check 
thanks to the NWO merch. Good. That's so, good to know. The money not, wasn't an and, issue. And I'm not talking about you because you're talking about it. I didn't hear it from you. I've already heard it. I was actually pretty bummed out when, of course, of all people, it was Dave Meltzer who released that information that I guess X-Pac or somebody called Jake the Snake and said, go check on him. I can't get a hold of him. And he had been laying there for three days because he had gotten to drinking again and basically fell from drinking. And it's a sad picture. And, you know, it's one thing to tell another friend. It's another. I, I just think it's tacky that Dave Meltzer put that out there. Like, give the I guys agree. dignity, right? But us talking about it, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. It, it's sad. Um, you know, we I think we touched on this last week when we talked about his passing. He killed somebody when he was 20 years old before he even started wrestling because of the situation at the strip club. It was an accident, but he got charged with manslaughter, whatever. I don't know if he ever got convicted. I think he got... Uh, no, he, he beat those charges. Of the he beat those charges, but it was something that he lived with his whole life. And, mm-hmm. and you know, there's an old saying, you, you, can, you can get it out of Bible studies. You can get it out of just daily wisdom books or whatever where, you know, you can try to impress everybody all the time. But at the end of the day, you go home to one person yourself. And so mm-hmm. no matter what he did in the spotlight, no matter what he did, whatever, that's probably something he had to deal with sober on a quite often basis. Um, and so a lot of people drink or do drugs to mask it. Then you have the secondary thing uh, that this is pretty infamous in, in rock and roll. <coughs> and I would think wrestling would fall into the category because it's a little different than football, hockey, basketball, and baseball. Baseball being in a, maybe a free throw or a kicker or whatever, that's the only time all eyes are on you. But in a football game, there's there's 22 people running around on the field at all times. So it's mm-hmm. not one guy going, Adam Cole, baby, whereas a rock star and a, and a wrestler, it is look at me right and and lead singer disease is a real thing you know the ego and all that and so a lot of times when you when you are and and i've said this a million times in our years of doing this show the pop that razor ramon got on superstars was deafening right just Mm -hmm. coming out to do a squash him coming out to wrestle Shawn michaels in a ladder match him coming out to wrestle with Macho Man against Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect at a Survivor Series, filling was it was it the other way around? Perfect teamed up with it was a uh, Perfect and Savage against uh, Flair. Okay, Perfect all. went face, but anyway, the guy got such a thing. So then, now be alone with your thoughts and nowhere to go and nothing to do, and you're jonesing, if you will, for the spotlight. Also trying to hide from your past. And again, all stories that I've heard about the situation. The guy that got killed is the reason he got killed. It, it wasn't Scott Hall looking to kill somebody. It was just a sad thing, and Scott Hall ended up being the one that, you know, took that dude's life. But it's tough, man. And, I mean, you and me probably got some shit that we wish we could take back that didn't result in someone dying. So, uh, right. you know, but here's the thing. It's funny you brought it up. Hulk Hogan brought it up in that clip that's going viral about him and his bar. I did it on my tribute to him on on Facebook. Immediately, I just for the record, I teared up while I was typing that because that's a real story, both both parts of it. Um, so if you are on my Facebook listening to this, you know what it is. I'll probably talk about it later too. But I even, we all feel this need to go, he wasn't perfect in the middle of our praise. And I know personally why I did it. I did it 
because I didn't want to write it and then some asshole write on there, yeah, he was a junkie or, yeah, he was an alcoholic. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it was my way of saying, yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm still going to put him over because he meant that much to me. That guy and, – and it took him dying – for me to realize, you know, I talk about it all the time. It's Warrior Sting, it's Brett, it's Sean, um, but it's it's two different things, right? Brett and Sean are the guys that I wanted to wrestle like. Sting and Warrior were the guys I cheered for because they were like superheroes to me, right? So one is more of a fan, one is more of a peer from my Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Scott Hall might be both, but not a Scott Hall. And and I think the reason I've lost touch with the fact that he was such a big, like. Big deal. Wrestler to me in my life is when he went to NWO and became Scott Hall again. Those years as Razor Ramon, if he always was that, that guy would probably be in my top two, three, right? It'd be it'd be Brett Sean Razor. And and the matches that you had me watch, even the first one we did, these two guys. He's green as a freaking cucumber. Mm-hmm. But he still could work. And one of the themes over every single match you had me watch, and I completely forgot it, he probably had the best abdominal stretch in the business, especially when he did it to guys like One Two Three Kid or that Tanahashi or whatever, the, the guy from Japan that you had me watch him. Mm-hmm. He put you in that abdominal stretch and then grabbed your other leg and basically did the banana splits like a high school collegiate wrestling move, right? And and the crowd in Japan and, went, and oh, don't, and, when and he don't did forget. it. And don't forget when he did the abdominal stretch reflectionites, he used to slap them in the back of the head. Yeah, especially yeah. to the jabronis, it was yeah. always funny to yeah. see that. But so. when he pulled that other leg out, it, it became a whole nother move. And so I don't know why, but I forgot he was such a good worker. And I think I know why. It's because that match with Tanahashi is that his name? Mm-hmm. That match with him, he looks brutal. But ironically enough, the other match from that same time frame is against uh, Jeff Jarrett, where I couldn't tell who the heels were and who the faces were. I'm thinking Scott Hall was the face, but mm-hmm. he looked great. And it was the same exact gear and the same exact year, and I'm not trying to be Dr. Seuss, but mm-hmm. it's almost like going to Japan, and it was weird because it's Japan in like a high school gym. You know, like I'm thinking the Tokyo Dome when you go to Japan or whatever. But one thing's for sure, even as a greenhorn teaming with – Kurt Hennig against Jimmy Garvin and Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal, who gets not enough credit, by the way. There's two guys in the AWA, if I can digress for a moment. Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal. (laughs) I know. I'm just calling it out. Yes. Uh, Steve Regal, Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal, and the illustrious Johnny Stewart, two of the coolest names in the history of wrestling, both in the AWA, both didn't do shitouts after the AWA, and it's Mm -hmm. just insane to me, and Matter of fact, the first time I ever saw Steve Carino, I thought it was Steve Regal because they have the similar look, the blonde hair and the beard. Mm-hmm. But he was like 10 years later, and I'm like, hey, is that that dude? And now if you look at him up close, they don't look anything alike. I'm talking about just shots or far away over, over, you know, seeing him in the distance, whatever, not paying attention to the match, just seeing it in the corner of your eye. But anyways, Scott Hall could work, and the other match is him and and. The Punisher Don Wright, or whatever the hell his name was, Don, Don Dwayne Martin. But anyways, he worked legs in this match, and he sold, and he he had the best punch ever, uh, his right hand, and he threw a left too. But Scott Hall, I said this last week, I'll say it again, and I will say it for the rest. I give credit 
to Kurt Hennig for being the AWA World Heavyweight Champion. I recognize that as a world title because it was one when I started wrestling. And it was one that Hulk Hogan tried to win. It was one that Ric Flair tried to win. So, you know, tried. And so in my eyes, the big three will always be AWA, NWA, WWF. Those are the three world championships when I was a kid. I have a hard time giving ECW World credit because they barely left Philadelphia, but it was called the ECW World title. They mm-hmm. got magazine, national exposure, whatever. World class, again, similar. It's a Texas title to me, but I don't even know if they called it the world champion. I liked when Global called it the global heavyweight champion and stuff like that, so you weren't you know, flexing your nuts or nothing like that. But Scott Hall, right here, right now, I love you, Rick Rude. Scott Hall is the best wrestler to never be a world champion and the fact that he was in all three of those promotions and didn't win a world title and i've said this before and it goes right back to what we're talking about to start out i don't know that anyone trusted him because he was his own worst enemy when it comes down to it behind the scenes um Mm -hmm. they did put the ic belt on him which was usually a good sign that they were grooming him for the world title or at least for it Mm -hmm. um another thing awesome baby face tremendous heel to to watch him in that match with i'll just say it i'm sure we're going to talk about the matches a little bit but him and taker versus saito and the guy ricky youngblood's chinese twin um he worked heel so well like but not razor ramon heel like just like monster heel and to see taker work the way he worked it's if you're in japan gaijin heel is very easy so he knew how to but, do it. But those guys both, that match you had me watch, obviously it's cool to watch just for nostalgia purposes to seeing The Undertaker before he was The Undertaker team up with Scott Hall before he was probably even Diamond Stud yet, um, although he yeah. did have dark dark hair by then. To see those two, and then also it, it's, a, it's a good way to, because I'll be honest with you, I had a real hard time watching the Scott Hall versus T- Tashihashi, Togahashi? Tanahashi. Tanahashi. Because of the the Japanese commentating, it was, it's so loud that it reminds me of, uh, those Japanese game shows or, or whatever, where it's distracting almost. Right. And mm-hmm. no part of me knows, but I do have a question for you and I'm glad I brought it up. Cause I now remember IWGP is on their belt. They mm-hmm. say IWGP. One thing I did here in that match was IWGP tag team champions in the midst of all the China or Japanese talking IWGP heavyweight. Tag team champions. But I'm saying, I heard mm-hmm. IWGP, I heard tag team, and I heard championship. What, the, the international, what's it called? Inter, well, international the IWGP, wrestling, international, wrestling. no, international grand, international wrestling grand prix. Okay. But it's those, under the those, new Japan banner. Those words do not start with IWGP in Japanese. There's no, no. way. So how did it get called? I, so I, I have this question for you. Did wrestling originate in the States and then Japan embraced it like they did baseball and then that's why they went with the four letters like a WWWF or WCCW or something like that? Or was Japan already had pro wrestling? And Japan then, already had pro wrestling since the Where did it originate? Ricky, where did it originate? Well, Greco-Roman. Well, remember, no, Greco-Roman no, no, from no, Greece. No, the carnival-style wrestling had to originate in the States. Well, it had to be like a tough man type deal that just turned into what it turned into. The concept of pro wrestling, I don't know where it must have originated it's, it's in, huge in the United Japan. States. It's, it's second only to baseball. Yeah, but but Japan and Mexico takes wrestling serious. 
Right. That's, it is and that's another hard thing sport. to do is to watch this and hear silence because, like, you had me watch Sid versus Scott Hall, and it was nuts that it was a squash match, but it wasn't. I was actually pleasantly surprised that it wasn't a squash match. But I, I picked the good if he If he would have been – it was the longest six-minute match I've ever watched in my life, by the way. And Scott Hall but, was but, By the way, Reflection, never you see how – you hear the digressing. He has talked about every match that I'm going to talk right. about in this day. Because I did you a favor. Yes. Two reasons. One, you mm-hmm. want to get done before eight. And two, if I mention all these matches, we can just talk about them carte blanche. We don't have to go over the match one by one by one. Well, just, you know, the reflectionized need but to here's hear a focus. If Sid wrestled Scott Hall in the same exact match in Japan, everybody in there would have heard him say, leg, tackle, drop down, hip toss, go. Because he, he was so blatant when he had him in the headlock talking to him that it was just like, what the hell, Sid? I love Sid. Sid is on the Mount Rushmore of, of fandom with uh, Sting and and uh, Warrior as well, somebody TW, that was just larger you know, than life. Uh, again, this is probably because you you didn't go to Japan to enjoy that atmosphere. It's the sign of silence is a sign of respect. No, and I understand. They want you to play it's that just, story out. It, it will be hard to wrestle somebody like Sid who mm-hmm. telegraphs everything he does. Like he. I think I told you this before. Do you know the reason why wrestlers started growing their hair long? What? To cover their mouth so that when they talked to a guy in a chin lock, nobody knew they were talking. That's why wrestlers started growing their hair long. And then the 80s happened, and everyone's like, well, shit, we can just grow it out and act like we're in a rock band. And the Rock Roll Express, the Midnight Rockers, the Midnight Express. Well, well, Hogan fucked that up because he went bald, so he couldn't do that. But he still had the the Dutch boy hair came around the front of kayfabe. Well, neither here nor there, let's get into this pro wrestling spotlight dedicated to Scott Hall. And T.W., you Texas Scott also was one name he had. Well, I don't know every name, but let's (laughs) get into this Scott Hall's pro wrestling spotlight. And you alluded to it before the career even started, that he was a bouncer in the Florida area, in the strip clubs, if you will. That's where he got discovered by Dusty Rhodes and the Graham family. So that's where he started his first venture into professional wrestling in the territory of Florida Championship Wrestling. But before that, it might not have ever happened, T.W., because you talked about it. As being a bouncer, he had to get, you know, when you're a bouncer in a dirty strip club, you meet all kinds of cast of characters, if you will. You meet horny perverts. You meet all these guys that, that want to <laughs> date the strippers, that stalk the strippers. They're perverts. So he met this one dude, and Scott Hall has said it on the, on his documentaries that this was one of the worst days of his nights of his life but he had to protect himself he said it was self-defense and the florida you know courts agreed with scott hall that it was justifiable quote-unquote self-defense against this individual he was facing murder charges and he beat that in 1983 tw so you know most uh you know before we even get into the venture of, of the territories here tw you know most wrestlers venture to the you know in this generation you know it's it's very it's very funny because you know the undertaker did a did an interview with ryan satin and just to give you a little bit of a, a quote-unquote here tw undertaker talks about the differences in the generational gap with wrestlers mindsets undertaker's mindset is like scott hall's mindset is like rick flair's mindset you know, you, you do the you do thirty minutes Broadway in the ring, 
TW, you're eating too much. Can you kind of like? I had, no, I, I had something stuck in my tooth. Go ahead. Okay. But anyway, you know, the, 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 the Undertakers, the Flares, you do 30-minute Broadway matches there, and then you celebrate backstage with a beer, but then you keep the party going at the strip club or at the bar. So that mindset from that generation is different from the mindset of the 2020 Deuce wrestlers right now because – they don't want to do that. Maybe they have families. They want to do Zoom calls. They want to play video games on their PS5s. There's a different connection with the wrestlers today than yesteryear. So, you know, TW, you was in the 90s. Uh, uh, the of, of, well, naughty 90s. But, TW, can you give that synopsis of, of your, uh, you know, just kind of abbreviate the generational gap with hanging out with your buddies? In comparison to Diddy. Well, first, let me just say this first and foremost. Any of those guys, like an AJ Styles or, or Christian, once he did, Edge, which Edge didn't really do it because he ended up marrying a wrestler. But, but when guys, Mick Foley, Owen Hart, when guys are married and they go back to the hotel room and guys rib them for being boring or whatever, sadly it doesn't come out until after they die. Eddie Guerrero, who obviously partied. But in the end, wasn't. Um, it comes out that the boys respect what Owen did, what Mick Foley did, what you know. They basically were saving their money because they were out here making a living. Basically, they were sacrificing being a dad physically, but they were providing for their children. So they didn't look at wrestling as fu money. They looked at it as their job. And so, I got nothing against that. And when I first started wrestling in 1993 um, to train. I had a girlfriend, and in 94, I had my first match, and then by the end of that year, she broke up with me, and I can tell you the difference in me in that first year with a girlfriend versus after she broke up with me is night and day. Um, I don't know that her and I would have survived the wrestling business had she mm -hmm. not broke up with me already because, you know... I think I told this story before. I didn't even want to be a pro wrestler until I was 21 because in my mind, I didn't want to wrestle and then not be able to go to the bar with the boys after the show. So somewhere along the line, I knew that's what life was like as a wrestler before I even started training because I knew that at 18, 19, that's why I almost went in the military because I thought, all right, I'll sign up for three years. When I get out, then I'll train to be a wrestler and I'll be 21. Uh, but I ended up training at 20, had my first match at 20, and then turned 21 in like three months after my first match. Uh, my Marty Jannetty story, I've told it before. I wrestled uh, on a show with him three months in a row in Taylor, Michigan. He won the title on the first show, defended it on the second, and lost to Al Snow on the third. Uh, and we became friends in those three months. And on the last night that he was in, in town, not the last night, the last month, one night, um, he asked me if I wanted to go to a strip club with him, that he had a rat there, and he, he goes there after all the shows. And I'm like, absolutely. And I go to get my buddy and say, hey, we're going to go to the, the landing strip with Marty Gennetti. And my buddy said to me, I don't have my ID. And I looked at my buddy and said, the fuck you mean you don't have your ID? And so I told him, you son of a bitch, I can't go to the strip club with my childhood hero because you didn't bring – I go, why would you not have your ID? He's like, I didn't drive. And I'm like – who carries their license just when they drive? I go, dude, what if we went to a bar down here? He's like, oh, uh, so to this day, I'm still mad at him because I didn't get mm -hmm. to go to the strip club with Marty Gennetti. But guys like Marty, Marty had a rat in every town. Every town he went to, he had someone where he could stay. So even though he's getting money from the promoter for, for uh, 
trans and, and hotel, he probably never used that hotel money on a hotel because he had some rat. Um, but that was it. And then right when I was in the business, maybe a couple years, that's when kayfabe died, you know, where people were exposing the business left and right. Um, there was still, I was in a mix of old timers and new guys. And I still think I had the old timer mentality and I still do to a point. And I think that's, that's part of my problem with Scott Hall going to, to WCW like he did. In hindsight, it was, it was smart business. I, I, I don't ever fault them guys anymore. Um, but I hated the fact, I, I, I say this a lot to Travis, uh, Jericho used to be one of my favorite people ever, but he has increasingly become a hand, a, a person that bites the hand that fed him. And I don't like it. It's tacky. Um, you know, for you to act like where you used to be isn't the reason you're where you are now is, is disingenuous. You know, yeah, he paid his dues and did all that. So when all these guys are trying to put WWF out of business, to me, I took it personal because you, you would agree. WCW, had it been called NWA still when the war ended, I think I would have took it harder. But because it was called WCW, I feel like I already lost the NWA in 92, 93, right? So then when you lose WCW in, in 2001, it's not as heavy a hit to me because WCW was a TV show for the first five years I was watching wrestling, not the call letters. You know, as a, as a fan, and then we'll get it to Scott Hall because there's some good fun facts here. Um you know, the ECW stuff. I took personal with with people jumping ship to either WWE right. or WCW. Right. right. So it hurt it hurt me as a fan of ECW. So but hindsight let, being let me ask you a question though. Let me ask you one question. Mm -hmm. when, when, and, and this was my whole I, I know this for certain. When a guy, Mark Merrow, was one. I love Johnny B. Bad. I wish he'd have stayed Johnny B. Bad. But when guys went from WCW to WWF, I was happy for them. Because I think in the back of my mind, WrestleMania was always bigger than Starcade, right? No matter how you put it. When Ric Flair came there, I was happy to see these guys there. I was the opposite the other way. So mm -hmm. when guys came to ECW, were you happy to see them? Like when Stone Cold rolled in, when yeah, Jake the Snake I, rolled in, when Pillman rolled in. Were you happy to happy. see them there? Yeah, yeah, I was happy to see so them. So the ECW and, was your shit, and you yeah. liked seeing guys come there. Yeah, so... That's that's that was my mentality. I just yeah. I, I hate it. But again, I, I've said this before. I, I will never say Adam Cole made the wrong decision. He made the right decision. Adam Cole is going to be but much he, better he, off in either way to WWF. Yeah, but, but either way, TW, with he Scott Hall, the bridge. And yeah, Scott but, Hall didn't yeah. burn the bridge either. Yeah. yeah, he didn't burn the bridge. But, you know, it's a generational thing where, where wrestlers of yesteryear have this different mindset than the wrestlers of today. So it, 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 goes, it goes either way. Gone. I think I'm gratitude's right. gone. It might not be gratitude. It's just more being business-oriented. But And you got to credit Scott Hall for that. But we'll get into that a little bit later. But in his after beating the case, Reflectionites, you could say, he started his career in the NWA Florida Championship Wrestling Territory, as T.W. would say. And he, he was trained by the, the American Dream, Dusty Rose. So, you know. If Dusty Rose spots you, you know, he, he sees something. He see, and like you said, he's six foot seven, six foot eight. At this time in 1984, 85, mid-80s, TW, he's six foot seven, eight, 285 to 290 pounds. He doesn't look fat. He's 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 brolic. Farm, farm boy. He's farm boy handle. He, <laughs> yeah, he's from Iowa. That's the way he yeah. looks. He looked like a corn-fed boy from Iowa. But anyway. 
It's funny because he started in a tag team called American Starship, where it was himself and Danny Spivey. Scott Hall was Starship Coyote, and Danny Spivey was Starship Eagle. So there you go with the, the Starship stuff. So this tag team was not in the League of the Road Warriors. It was not in the League of the Rock and Roll Express. It was never meant to be. But Scott Hall was paying his dues. So, you know, of course, T.W., they job here and there. They put the other people over. But think about it, T.W. He was in that class in Florida Championship Wrestling with himself, Barry Windham, Danny Spivey, Mike Rotunda. Look at, the, look at that four right there. Three legit Hall of Famers. Danny Spivey is a great hand, no matter what you say. Maybe he's not a Hall of Famer in some people's eyes, but he had a great career because he, you know, he's, he did his thing. He got big. He's, 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 his career is like a stew because he's all over the place. He yeah. was the Starship. Mm-hmm. He was in American Express when they became U.S. Express to replace Barry Windham. He was a skyscraper, a founding member. And then mm-hmm. he was Waylon Mercy. So, and he probably did other stuff. He 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 was all over the place. He just didn't stick around. And so I think that's he had the a problem. long career and he kept his money. That's all that matters. Like you keep saying, just keep your money and, and <laughs> save it. Do it right and save it. But anyway, he knew that he couldn't make a living as a jobber. He couldn't do. You know, he could do the job here, there, but a hot dog and a handshake can only go so far. And you know, if you're losing, you're not that attractive to the strippers in Florida. If you keep looking at the at the ceiling, so it's not a good thing for Scott Hall to get. You know, the the Florida rats right there. So what did he do? Reflection nights. He ventured to the Minnesota area. He ventured to burn Ganya territory in the AWA. And you know what, TW? This was a great career move in one aspect. And like you said, he came into the AWA in 1985, and he had two names. The first name he came in was Magnum Scott Hall. Why was he called Magnum Scott Hall Reflection Ice? Because he looked like Magnum T.A. He was a ripoff of Magnum T.A. because of the hair, and he had the, the porn star mustache like Magnum P.I. and all that stuff. But the difference between him and Magnum T.A., while Scott Hall is physically gifted than Magnum T.A., Scott Hall in 1985 didn't have the charisma. He didn't have the it factor. He didn't have the investment like the fans were invested with Magnum T.A. So T.W., agree, disagree, have a different take on that. that Absolutely. But in the AWA, you can see him trying. Like he gets, he doesn't do that bad guy thing. Like Mm -hmm. it's, 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 you pick the perfect matches. So I think, I think at some point when, when this goes live on the on the thing, you should list those matches so that people, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like almost like a show notes thing, put, put links to them. Or, I don't know if you want to do all that work, but you know what I mean? Just they're mm-hmm. good matches because you see him progress, right? right. You even see him regress a little bit and then go back up to, to better, to better days with the Jarrett match. But he, uh, he, he tried. And that's what I meant by, he didn't look stiff. He didn't look, uh, like a greenhorn, but he was like, you can tell he's following leads. There's a reason he's in a tag match and not a singles match. Had he mm-hmm. been in a singles match, it would have stood out like a sore thumb that he wasn't ready, right? Uh, right. I was gonna, I was gonna actually ask you what year was Magnum's accident? Eighty-five or eighty-six? Magnum's accident? Yeah, yeah. Eighty-six. No, uh, October of eighty-six. So, so he's still around when Scott Hall went to AWA because otherwise mm-hmm. Dusty's not letting him go. Because I was thinking that, that Dusty saw another Magnum. Right and thought, here we go, mm-hmm. because that's what he could have been easily if he were ready. So, but it's all and it's all an ingredient. Going to AWA where you left off, you'll get back to. 
Mm-hmm. It was part of the progression. So, right. but yeah, he and, he yeah. definitely wasn't, you know, ready for the woo. You know, no, he go. he was. You're right. He wasn't ready. But like I said, Magnum T had the it factor, the charisma, the confidence, and like you said. Scott Hall did not have the confidence. He was really a greenhorn. So this is like a year into the business. And Vern Kanye putting a lot of pressure on big Scott Hall because he wanted his own Magnum TA. He wanted his own Hulk Hogan. He was, you know, physically, he had the tools physically, but he didn't have the tools psychologically. So he had, what did they, what did Vern Kanye do? He, he was smart enough at least to notice that kind of negative setback on Scott Hall. So he was, on TV, hanging out with Greg Gagne, hanging out with Kurt Henning, and they formed a tag team. And in November of 1985, now we could talk about this match, TW, November 26, 1985, from the Atlantic City, New Jersey Casino, it was Scott Hall and Kurt Henning challenging for the AWA World Tag Team Championship. Non-title. Non-title. Oh, it was non-title. Um, yeah. No, it was for the titles. Nope, it was non-title. I watched it, remember? <laughs> okay, cool. I thought I gave you the match where they won the World Tag Team Championships from Steve Regal and Jimmy Garvin. But anyway, let's say about this match because what I wanted you to focus on this match was the way Scott Hall, the, the maturity of Scott Hall in this match. He was learning under he was learning under Kurt Henning, who is, you know, the son of Larry the Axe Henning, second generation wrestler, TW. So he's getting the pedigree of learning under Vern Gagne, Greg Gagne, Kurt Henning. So he's Frank learning Bockwinkle. and the Bachwinkles and Nick Bachwinkle himself. So he's get, he has a lot of great teachers. What say you about this match? Because of course they wanted to show how big he was, how brolic he was, how he, you know, he's the cleaner, he's the hitter, you know. He's doing all that stuff. What say you about his performance in this match? This is the match I've been talking about where you, this is where I expected him to look the greenest, and he didn't. But it's funny. I'm going to skip ahead to the next match just in comparison. Him and Kurt Hennig worked like two singles wrestlers. Him and mm-hmm. Undertaker worked like a tag team. They did tag team moves together. They tagged in and out. like you know. So just going from the AWA match to the New Japan match or IWGP match, it was he improved, and what I think, getting back to what we were talking about with the charisma, I think what he was doing that was obvious is he was studying the matches and mm-hmm. learning the moves. Because uh, again, I'm going ahead to we must have just covered together two tag team matches, but in the match with the Taker against the two Japanese guys, Saido and um, Ricky Youngblood, Chosu, uh, he did the Scorpion Deathlock. He did the boss. I apologize to every Japanese reflection like that. He does. Hey, Ricky Chosu. I just mixed three guys. I don't even know what that guy's name is. I'm not even trying to. Th- that's the thing. I'm, I'm apologizing to the Japanese reflection. I said, go ahead. Hey, I know Mr. Saido, some bitch. Okay. Cool. But anyway, he did like, uh, and they called it Scorpion Deadlock. I did hear the Japanese commentator call it Scorpion Deadlock. So that match mm-hmm. must have been during the Steam times. But uh, but anyways, the the two tag team matches is the con- the contrast in the one versus the other you can see but you could tell and I hate this is such a cliche he was a student of the game he was watching guys wrestle and it's obvious he was watching one of the matches we talk about later on he's talking smack with Larry Zimbisco he was probably there at that time so mm-hmm. you got guys like when I first started wrestling Irish Bobby Clancy's a guy I came up with he had been around a couple of years but he used to tell me all the time Tommy. This is our crew right here. Me, you, Legacy, um, uh, Apollo, that was his partner, Rico. He says, if you pay attention, 
guys go to places together. Everybody that's with Hulk Hogan right now was with him in the AWA. Everybody that was with this guy was with them in WWF. Like, they just, they go together to places. He goes, so what we do is if one of us makes it, we pull the other guys up. And I don't know that a lot of people would know that looking at it as a fan. That's something that he figured out as a, a worker, that these guys were always in the same places together. So so seeing Scott Hall with Kurt Hennig here, I already talked about the match, him and Flair versus Perfect and Macho Man. So their pass crossed again there. And then mm-hmm. they cross again in WCW. So you don't have to wonder if they ever kept in touch, if they ever stayed friends. It's clear they did because they were always in the same places. And so this this match, and the reason I know it's not a non-title match, is the finish is Precious always had the, the Glade air freshener in her pocket. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Garvin went to hit Scott Hall with it, and he ducked. This is where his greenness shows, too, by the way. He didn't duck at first. So he actually took the spray, and then he ducked, and then Steve Regal took it. Scott Hall hits Garvin and then does probably one of the best Bulldogs ever. I mm-hmm. guess that was his finisher is, is Gator Scott Hall is like wrangling a Gator or whatever. And he pinned. Uh, the, bull, the Bulldog was his initial move in the AWA. Yeah. That was, that and, was he, and he did the Bulldog and he pinned Steve Regal and him and Kurt celebrated like they won the tag belts. But they said, alas, this is a non-title match. But it, it says now they're on. They're on the page for being worthy of a tag team title match. And, 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 and TW hold your thought, but I just want to say this because again, as you're comparing like Scott Hall from 85 to 90 and you going, which, whichever way and showing the maturity here, the, the thing that I want to point out to the reflectionites in the, the AWA Scott Hall, Vern Gagne, you know, he knew what he wanted out of Scott Hall because like I say, he wanted a Hulk Hogan. He wanted a Magnum TA, but, Vern Gagne, you know, he was stuck in his, you know, that generational gap even affected Vern Gagne because he wanted a wrestler. And Scott Hall wasn't, quote-unquote, a wrestler right at that point in juncture. He had to learn under Kurt Henning. But he also didn't know what to do with Scott Hall visually because I think if he wanted another Magnum TA, you know, or he maybe wanted a Barry Windham of his own, you know, well, how are you going to book a Scott Hall TW? Are you going to say he's from Texas? Is he from Florida? Is he from this? You know, you're going to confuse the, the wrestling fan. Like, what is Scott Hall? Is he, a, is he a big, you know, six foot eight Texan that kicks ass? Or he's from Florida or whatever. There was never no, like, one direction they, of Scott they Hall. Announced because they gave Florida. him. No, no, I'm just saying, but there's. They gave him two nicknames, Magnum and then Big Scott Hall. So you don't, you know, what I'm trying to say is that Vern did not know what to do with that lump of clay called Scott Hall. What's what's the ETW? I would agree, and and I, obviously he couldn't talk, and that's why you put him with Kurt Hennig, who could. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did all, he did everything right, but uh, he had some terrible boots, man. I don't even know what they were. They mm-hmm. almost looked Tatanka-ish without the tassels, you know. Right, and so. I, I don't. I think they call him Big Scott Hall in this match. They didn't call him Magnum Scott Hall. And I do remember the magazines there being a second Magnum. And and but I I, I almost and it wasn't Magnum S H. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think there was another Magnum that. Or I'm just thinking Magnum T A. I'm confusing with Magnum T I because I would have been ten years old. But I just almost I do almost remember there being another Magnum in wrestling in the magazines. Again, not knowing. Um, Probably there was somebody were. named Bobby Magnum. Just his name was Magnum, but right, either way, right. neither here nor yeah. there. But, but, but I like get... that in this match, he gets the pinfall. He hits the mm-hmm. finish. He 
uh, smarts, outsmarts. And the commentator was actually smart enough to point out he did get Scott Hall a little bit, but not enough, and Steve Regal took more of it. So he covered up for it. And, again, this is the difference between wrestling at 85 versus 95. In 95, they'll just not talk about it and act like it never happened. But in 85, they have to explain it away because otherwise people aren't going to think it's real anymore, you know, because people mm-hmm. thought it was real back then. And I, side note, do you know who the ring announcer is in this match? Gary Michael Capetta. Didn't even know he was in the AWA. I was like, whoa, he's, he's my friend on Facebook. But he I did not know he was in AWA. He was in WWF, AWA, and NWA at the same time. Oh, That's wow. a fun fact. So, oh, you were correct, TW. I, am, I was uh, misquoted that he, they did win the tag team titles in Albuquerque, New Mexico in January of 1986 against Regal and Garvin. So I stand corrected. How long and were they course, champs? Not too long because then they lost it to Playboy Buddy Rose and Pretty Boy Doug Summers like a couple of months after that. And then Scott left, right? And then, no, well, Scott at this time, you know, again, they kind of disbanded that tag team that had so much potential with himself and Kurt Henning. So he had to challenge, you know, Stan Hansen. He had to challenge Rick Martell. He had to challenge, you know, the heavy, the AWA heavyweight champion because that's what Vern Gagne wanted to do. But during that time, T.W., he was splitting his time, Reflection Nights, between the AWA and either All Japan or New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, of course, Vern Gagne allows you to tour, you know, Japan to get some extra money. So, while he's doing that, he's gaining experience. He's gaining, you know, he's gauging the the fan base, you know, uh, the differences between a silent, respectful Japan. Japanese fan base and then comes back to America and that great pop because he's such a, you know, he, for the women, they'll scream like, he, you know, he's a, he's a tiger beat sexy boy. So either way, he is learning how to re-engage the fan base. But he lasts in the AWA for three years, TW, give or take. He lasted until eight, 1988. And then he is venturing in the, in the, in the territories, if you will. He went down to Mid-South in the Jerry Lawler Mid-South. He did the uh, Alabama thing, CWA, and all that stuff. But now we talk about, you know, Gator Scott Hall. This is where I got introduced to Scott Hall because I didn't see the AWA until 1990 for myself in the cable, with cable television. I missed out on the uh, big Scott Hall days. I saw it, you know, I missed out on the Russell Rock. Yeah, of course, we cannot talk about a wrestling spotlight without mentioning Russell Rock 1986 where himself and Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning did the white boy rap in Russell Rock 1986. <laughs> so Google it. Look Put for that it, in there, Ray. Put that in there. <laughs> you, you want the, the Scott Hall and Kurt Henning rapping on Russell yes, Rock? The Russell Rock to, Rumble? It has you, to be. You, you had to have heard it at least. No, I didn't oh. even hear of it. So oh, look. I, I'll, I'll send it to you. But anyway... He goes to the NWA, so this is a good opportunity to be on TBS, you know, weekly, every week on Saturday night, 6.05, all that stuff. Gator Scott Hall, they had video vignettes of him, so I thought they were going to take him seriously, you know, with the vignettes, TW, as being the fan that I am, as being the, the watcher that you are, you would have to assume, I'm going to put it in air quotes, that he's not going to be the heavyweight champion. He's not going to fight Ric Flair for, you know, 60-minute draws. But at least there's a television championship. He could be a tag team championship again. And again, he the Gator Scott Hall, again, we don't know the identity. We don't know what that what he is because now he's full fleshy. He, he's like a he's a pretty boy skinner. That's the way I'm gonna call it. 
Skinner's after that, though, right? No, Skinner's way after that. But I'm just saying, he's a pretty boy Skinner, but his hair and he still looks like Magnum TA. So I think that was the problem for him getting over with the NWA crowd in 1989. What's AEW? And let's talk about the match, the six-minute supposedly squash match between himself and Sid Vicious, who is already plateauing up. They were pushing him to the moon. What's AEW? Well, first of all, I would like to say this match was not a squash match. I thought it was going to be because it was six minutes, but he looks greener in this match than he did in either of those tag matches. So why, it's, why it's, would you say that? Because he has Sid's fault. Because Sid, it's Sid's fault. It's, oh, it's okay. Because like one of the spots they did, he 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 gets he gets he ducks something from Sid and just turns around, and then Sid turns around and he pushes him, and Sid falls through the ropes to the floor, or whatever. Where that should have been a body slam or a punch mm-hmm. or kick. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this: with what you saw with the match, let me ask you this question as a fan. I'm looking at it as a fan. I want you to answer it as a wrestler. Now, let's assume, I have to assume that Scott Hall has more years of ring experience than Sid Vicious at this time, correct? Absolutely. So is the cardinal rule that Scott Hall must lead this match, or do you just listen to the booker in the back? What well, I, ironically, I don't, I don't know if it's a cardinal rule, but it's something like, like if you watch 80s, WWE superstars. You see guys like Iron Mike Sharp and Greg the Milkman Milliman and Buddy Rose and Brooklyn Larry Brawler. Sharp and Brooklyn Brawler. Those guys led those matches because okay. that's what they were. That was their job. They were job guys, but their job was to put you over mm-hmm. also to get you over. So I think Scott Hall did that, but it, what I mean by green is they both were, it just wasn't crisp. But to get back to what you first brought up, I did see, 88 is when I got cable, and I was stoked when I saw Scott Hall, and then the second they said Gator Scott Hall, and showed him doing vignettes, wrestling alligators with a knife in his mouth, and like you said, he's Skinner before Skinner, um, but pretty boy version, I was so disappointed, and then I want to say he would team with like Kendall Windham, or maybe even Barry sometimes on Saturday night, or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't long. Like, once he debuted, it wasn't No, he was tag-teaming with Ricky Santana. I remember those matches. No, no, but I'm saying, they. I think they, to give him the rub, he either was mm-hmm. interacting with Barry or Kendall Wyndham, but th- there was something to do with them, like, because of the whole Florida connection, right? So, right. but if you're teaming with Ricky Santana, you're a jobber, all right? So that's my mm-hmm. point. Ricky Santana was a job guy, uh, like Leo Thumper Lancaster, um, you know, Frankie Thumper Lancaster, all those guys. Uh, Canyon, but not so later, you know, he was... 90s job guy but anyways before he became mortis and but those guys were so good at their jobs that that's guys did get plucked up jim mm-hmm. powers paul roma um you know eventually they did get gimmicks if you will but scott hall from the vignettes and i never really did the math if, that maybe that's what it was is the people didn't take to him it wasn't long after those vignettes that he debuted and he was a job guy on saturday night and i just remember thinking what the fuck like, how was this guy a job guy, right? And so... They didn't know what to do I, with I don't him. Think that's he what, was, that's but, the way but, I looked at it. But he was a job guy, and then, it was it 1990 when he became the Diamond Stud? They just kind of yeah, took 91. him away. 91. Right, so he kind of just disappeared, but he was still there. And then they brought him back as the Diamond Stud. And the first time I saw him as the Diamond Stud was when we watched pay-per-view, like you watched porn, this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I hear him talking... And I didn't realize it was Scott Hall, and then I caught a glimpse of him. And then when they showed him on WCW Saturday Night, I'm like, that's fucking Scott Hall. But I didn't know it right away. Like, I had to figure it out. 
And but that was it. It was all to the races. I actually loved the Diamond Stud. So then when he came to WWF, I know I'm getting ahead. I didn't yes, like are. the name. You, you I totally didn't like get ahead. I'm go- I was trying to I'm talk saying, about the Sid Vicious match. No, no, I know. But what I'm saying is, it's 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 all part. Of, we're spotlighting Scott Hall, not a match, right? So, but I'm saying you, you got all this stuff happening to him. Mm-hmm. It's a recipe for him to just quit. Go back to bouncing. Because I want to say he says in some of them shooter views, he was making more money bouncing. But in, until that accident happened where that dude died, mm-hmm. he was going to quit wrestling and go back to doing that. He was going to leave Minnesota, I think it was, because he wasn't making money in Minnesota. But it's just, you know, it's, he knew it's, he could make money in the clubs, in the strip clubs. Sir. But just, I guess my whole point is saying before he becomes Razor Ramon, the mm-hmm. ball is dropped with him so many times. And now let's look at the same. His, who's, when you say Scott Hall, other than the ladder match and Shawn Michaels, what's what's synonymous with Scott Hall as far as humans? It's Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. Now look at Kevin Nash in NWA, WCW. Yeah, they gave that guy it. 72 yeah. different gimmicks in an effort to try to get him over. Never mm-hmm. did until Shawn plucks him to WWF, and then, then they come back. We'll get to that point later on, but yes. Scott Hall, it's like they just gave up on the guy. Like, Vern didn't know what to do with him. Clearly, Jerry Lawler didn't because I didn't really know about him even being there until you said it. And then Gator Scott Hall. I just remember Gator Scott Hall and thinking, what? Like, it's just, it was terrible. Yeah, he didn't it, need it. it. Was, but let's get back to the match and, and put a bow on it. That's why I'm asking you that question that, it was his job to lead this match. Yes, yes. So, but, but at the same time, what but then it? since he didn't do a good job, hence why he was probably booked now as a jobber because he didn't make it a great six-minute match. Do you agree with that assessment, or you maybe have a different take? Because one no, match it, on national TV and you don't perform well, even though this is not live, they could have edited this, but maybe they edited it so much that they were like, "Damn." This is a clusterfuck. This could have been a 12-minute match, and they had to condense it down to six minutes. He was know. already a job guy. He, he was yeah. already in the ring when Sid came out. Sid came mm-hmm. out with Danny Spivey and, and Teddy Long and Scott Hall. And they go, from Miami, Scott Hall. And I'm like, wow. Yes. But that's what I'm telling you. He now, the a, mighty have fallen. Yes, I, I, yes. I get you. I and get you. and I just, just remember thinking, what? But, again, this is hindsight talking that they mm-hmm. dropped the ball. As a kid, I'm like. Fuck man, I thought Scott was better than this. Like, how's he already? How's he lose? Why can he not win here? Because I, I tell you, I was a I was a fan of Scott Hall on site. The, the mm-hmm. first time I saw that dude in AWA, I loved him. I loved Kurt Hennig. And it's funny because obviously Kurt Hennig is one of my all time favorites. And, and it's it's just it's nuts that these guys toiled before finding their like. And again. Fucking I, 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 so, AEW slappy is going to call me a WWE slappy. But TW. You know, most people's journeys take about a decade before oh, they yeah. get the gimmick, the right gimmick, the right WWE place, the right time. 33 years old. Right. 33 so, was the average guy, so these guys that, are young. There but you it's, go. It's, it's no coincidence to me that a guy like Scott Hall, a guy like Kurt Hennig, uh, Diesel, Kevin Nash, these guys all were other places. They didn't become stars until they were in the WWF. So say what you will about the gimmicks. And yeah, for well, every, perfect, for no, every, perfect was already a star. He was, He's a fucking through the roof star now, Mr. No, Perfect. no, I'm just saying. But he people was, don't even but, call him Kurt Hennig; they call him Mr. Perfect, right? I know. I'm just saying. But, but he my was point a star. is, he, he in the AWA nobody gave a fuck. But the point I'm making is, he from that point on could pick, call his shot wherever he wanted to go. Yeah. Ends up in the WCW, whatever. The the point I'm making is, it's for every gimmick that doesn't work, or that does work. Yeah, there's probably a hundred that don't. But Vince is willing. Like I said, I know I'm going ahead. 
I, I fucking hated the name Razor Ramon. I just thought, what the fuck? That's Scott Hall. He's not Cuban. But so it's one of my favorite cool. characters ever now. But So you mm-hmm. got to just let it go. But this yeah. match with Sid, I would 100% blame it on Sid because I've seen him in matches before Sid where he wasn't clunky. He wasn't shit. And, mm-hmm. and so if, if they're blaming, not you, if they're blaming him for not bringing out the best in Sid, when does Sid get the blame? Like, okay, Sid didn't bring out the breast of Sid, so how's it Scott Hall's fault? And the powerbomb to finish this match, uh, Scott Hall was on his way to paralysis draw style and somehow was able to get his shoulders flat because he was coming down on his head. Because, you know, Sid would pick you up and then put mm-hmm. you down. He picked him up and fell forward. Did, he didn't even stop at the top. He, he, he was falling. Forward, I think. Scott, I think he. I think he mistook his weight and height right. and thought. And that you, it was you be can light. see the fear in Scott Hall's eyes, and he's tucking his chin, going, "What the fuck?" Like you just see, he's like, "Oh shit!" And then he lands nice and flat. I don't know if Sid let go, and that's why he was able to like his ass would catch up with his shoulders because his mm-hmm. shoulders were gonna hit first with his head. And right. I'm, t- I'm telling you, if you didn't watch it. That's one to go watch. Six minutes, long six minutes of your life. But you watch that one and watch that power bomb. But I wouldn't pin this. As to answer your question, as a wrestler, yes, they probably thought Scott Hall would lead the match. But no, the match sucking is not Scott Hall's fault, in my opinion. Okay, cool. All right. Well, Scott Hall knows that his days are numbered in the NWA as Gator Scott Hall, or just to Scott Hall plainly, since that was his job. In WCW or NWA, whatever we want to call it, it's WCW. Let's not let's not get it twisted. Reflectionites. He was jobbing. He was tag teaming with Ricky Santana. He was teaming up with the Italian Stallion. So you know it's bad when you team up with these guys. But anyway, he found a niche going, you know, overseas. TW, as like I said, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and a match that I wanted you to watch because maybe you didn't know that he did those New Japan tours. I got I got a match for TW to watch that showed he got it. I think in 1990 he actually got it. You know, he he understood the crowd. But also as you said TW, a lot of wrestlers have said this, it's just easier to be a heel. And to go to Japan and be an American Gaijin heel is so easy. But it was so fun for Scott Hall. And he teams up with Punisher Dice Morgan. All you know, loosely known as Mark Callis, mean Mark Callis, also known as The Undertaker for all you Reflectionites, and they go up against Masa Saito and Shinya Hashimoto TW from the, it's not the Tokyo Dome, I forget, I think it's Corrigan Hall, but TW, you was impressed with Scott Hall here in this match against Hashimoto and Masa Saito. What say you about this match? Because the maturity is starting here, but again, it's more easier. I, th- I think wrestlers are more loose, have more fun being loose and being the heel because there's no pressure as there is being the babyface. That's where he's been facing for the last five years from 85 to 90, in my humble opinion. I would, I would say this. This is what I took away from this match. Scott Hall's leaps and bounds better. Mm-hmm. Um, Undertaker did the old school thing. Um, obviously, this is world-class Scott Hall, or... Undertaker, because he's not even Mark Callis yet. He's Dwight Martin or some shit. Um, I'm sure Dice Morgan. Dice Morgan, yeah, yeah. Piers Morgan. Um, I felt bad for both of these guys because I, I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you why. Okay. For me, it's not so much Saido, but Rick, Ricky Chosu, whatever his, the other guy's name is. Hashimoto. That guy, Hashimoto, 
who, by the way, looks like to be the youngest one there. He's no selling. He's he puts uh, Scott Hall in a sh- no. He put Undertaker in a shoot arm bar uh, like Becky Lynch does when mm-hmm. he's working his leg. And when that guy got up, he didn't sell his leg. When he was done working Undertaker's leg, Undertaker sold the leg to the end of the match. And one thing I noticed, it reminded me of my match with Manny Fernandez, where Manny Fernandez would not let me get anything in. And anytime I finally, you know, snapped, and I just took it. And I felt like Scott Hall and, and Undertaker were taking it. Like, they got sick of that dude and then just started doing stuff to him um, because – it was like those guys didn't respect them. Uh, that's how I felt. And to mm-hmm. make it harder to me is, like, I'm assuming wrestling that you watch from Japan now is better than this because it was boring. Like, not because of Scott Hall and Undertaker, but because of the style that they had to work with these two dudes. It's mm-hmm. funny when I see guys like, uh, who's the guy that teamed with Kenny Omega? That He's the big deal now. Obuki. Abushi, Abushi to me looks like an American wrestler, you know, like style-wise. Um, mm-hmm. And and obviously Kenny Omega wrestled that style over there. And and I, the guy that I don't like that everybody thinks is the greatest thing ever, the not Zack Saber, but not, the, the best, Zach Saber Jr. The boring guy. Yes. No, no, I like race. Zach Saber, the other guy, the one that uh, everybody else loves, the one that did, he re-signed with them and didn't go to AEW. Short hair, just like Zack Saber. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay. I don't like that guy at all. I don't like him as a human being from the stuff I've seen, read credited to him. But they wrestle a more cruiserweight style, if you will. Mm-hmm. Whereas this match is, it's just boring. It reminded me of like 70s carnival tent wrestling where they're just working legs. Like one of my least favorite things to do in a match was work someone's leg because if you work their leg, in theory, there goes the run in the rope spots because how are you supposed to run the ropes if you just got your leg worked over for 25 minutes, right? So I always worked arms or the head or the neck, right? I never ever worked legs because if you work legs, you basically just took away the mobility of the guy you're wrestling to do good spots unless you just don't sell it no more. And that's what that Japanese guy did. I, I thought Saito looked like a pro out there. I felt like the other guy was just taking liberties with both Undertaker and, um, like... Well, Saito was used to going to America because he did do right. the AWA tours and the right. WWF tours and stuff like he that. Wasn't so. he wasn't a tag team champion in WWF, Saito? Uh, he did something more in AWA. He was the former AWA heavyweight champion. So oh, okay. I remember him. Okay. But Larry it's funny to see them... And it's fun because Japanese has that thing. They either look like Taka Mishinuku or they look like Mr. Saito with no neck. And both mm-hmm. of those guys were just tanks, you know. Mm-hmm. And to be wrestling guys that are six seven, six nine, it was a mismatch. And it should have been them working their legs, not those guys working theirs. But but they held their own. So to answer your question, Scott Hall is a million times better in this match than any of the ones we watched before them. Yeah, but of course, like you said, like we all say, it's fun being the heel. So he yeah. had he had no pressure trying to get the the crowd to be on his side and to pull for him because his job was to get the young greenhorn Hashimoto right. over because he was the young guy. And Saito worked the crowd to get those cheers too. Like he did a mm-hmm. bunch of those run and gun, you know, pull your arms in, and and it, it was an enjoyable match. As far as if you're going to critique a wrestling match, it wasn't. It, but to me. It, it wouldn't have made me a fan of Japanese wrestling right. it, as, as a kid. As an okay, adult, right. looking at it in hindsight, I understand it. 
it would have bored me to death as a kid. I, I'm I'm sure people will tell you watch it now for Okada and Tanahashi. Because right. Those are those are the guys that. Okada's just, the other one I like. He looks like Hector Guerrero. He's got that bowl, <laughs> bowl cut, He-Man haircut. Oh Lord. <laughs> Is that the one? No, I don't know if it's like Hector. He don't have a Hector Guerrero haircut. He has spikes. He has blonde spiked hair. That's 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 like I, I Ibushi. That, no, that's Okada. Ibushi oh, no, looks like oh, Justin no. Bieber. No, Okada's the one that was. He's the champ now. He's the one. Yeah, he's with, the champ. Yeah, I'm not with talking the about the other yeah. guy. Yeah, the one that looks like, like Justin. Longer yeah. hair. Yeah, Justin Bieber. Yeah, he looks yeah, like Ibushi. Hector. He looks like Hector uh, you, you, Guerrero. Okay, you can tell he looks like Hector Guerrero with, with golden man. brown hair instead of black hair. Jesus Christ! Uh, again, Japanese reflection. I apologize. Hey, uh, I like those guys, and I, I. What are you talking about? I just don't like Will Ospreay. I don't like him at all. As a human. I, you know what Japanese reflection guys are doing right now? They're doing this. They're just being silent. They don't want to give you you no reaction. Don't anyway. worry. I'm sure someone's going to critique something that I say and say we beat a dead horse to the ground or whatever that was. Of course. But, any, but anyway, let's get into it. But now Scott Hall is grooming himself. He's learning this business as we go on. And now he comes back to WCW, the Jim Hurd era of WCW, TW. But he did something smarter. He darkened his hair black, gelled it up more. You get it nice and oily. But also he did one more smart thing. And it changed his look. It changed his life for the better. <laughs> he took off that damn porn star mustache. And now he comes back and renames himself, reinvents himself as the Diamond Stud, being represented by Diamond Dallas. Now you're getting into the connections, TW, where, where people have this long-standing long connection with each other. I don't know if they cross paths in the in the AWA TV wise. They probably, you know, Diamond Dallas did his thing on AWA television. They never really cross paths with storylines, but yeah, right. they of course cross paths backstage in the locker rooms and all that stuff. Neither here nor there. But he reinvents himself as the Diamond Stud, and he's managed by Diamond Dallas Page. And of course, I think people will say he's a Rick Rude ripoff. Uh, okay, you could you could say that, whatever. I, I I disagree with that, but there's some similarities. You know, he got the women. Supposedly, he got the women from you know front row to take off his uh his ring gear and all that stuff. He get you know he got the kiss on the cheek before the match ever started. But then you know again, now we go into the meat and the crust of the Diamond Stud career, and I I love the look. I love the look, T.W. It's Razor Ramon esque. But, you know, again, at least he had a name. He had a direction. But he knew he was missing something. Is that a right way to say it? Even with the Diamond Stud character? Because I think that's the problem. Wait, 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 wait. Let me just say this. To me, when I looked at the Diamond Stud, it was untapped potential. No doubt about it. I'm not even just, I'm not saying I hated the Diamond Stud character. But Diamond Dallas Page talked from a lot. So he was still protecting himself from not injecting his uh, charisma, injecting his, you know, his character. He was just like a robotic bad guy who's taking orders from a manager. The old he's a henchman. Dude, he's a henchman. So that's why I'm saying there was something missing. He was so close. He knew he was missing something. What's ATW? I'm sorry. I didn't uh, want to. Uh, uh, no, no. I, I just no way in hell he came up with the name Diamond Stud. For one, Stud with two Ds is stealing from Big John Stud. So it's mm -hmm. recycled. And to be called the Diamond Stud, I was part of a tag team. So I was Los Rudos. I turned on Rico. I was wrestling singles. And then when I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, I went and worked for the rival promotion. Mm -hmm. They put me with a guy named Steve Nixon. 
um, and we were a tag team, and we were called the Nixon Administration, which was a play off of Richard Nixon. And there's a nice uh, program that's got a picture of me just putting my hand out like I'm trying to block the the paparazzi, mm-hmm. and and Steve Nixon's dressed like a woman because he ran out dressed like a woman to interfere in a match or whatever the feud we were in. And in the quote was sounds, sounds like deep throat. I am not trying to that do. woman, right? Oh. Whatever. So the, the whole thing was just a political spoof, you know, mm-hmm. the Nixon administration. And I fought it and fought it. I'm like, no, I'm not going to team with a guy and be named after the guy. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. we call it the Cortez uh, administration. Connection? Oh. Cause it's not, it's because it's the Nixon administration, you know, like Richard Nixon. I'm like, yeah, from the fucking seventies, no one knows about him now, you know, mm-hmm. but, in hindsight, it was clever. He was the leader. I was the henchman. But I was never going to give that my all like I would have if it mm-hmm. was called the Cortez Connection, like you said, right? right? So I think as the Diamond Stud, he found himself. He found his personality, if you will. But being called the Diamond anything while you're with Diamond Dallas Page, P.S., what were his women called? The Diamond Dolls. So it mm-hmm. almost insinuates you're his dude. I got diamond dolls. I got diamond studs. So I think you're not going to get behind that name like you would. And, and even not just him, the fans, the promote, like your view, like you said, and, and the word popped in my head as you were saying it, henchman. He was mm-hmm. never going to be the man because he was always helping the man. Right. Which is Diamond Dallas Page. So, so with this, TW, I gave you another match where he teamed up with another, with a click member. The friendship starts here, you could say, in 1991 with Kevin Nash. But at this time in 1991, Reflection Ice, he was known as his, I think this was his third gimmick, Oz, before it became his fourth gimmick, Vinny Vegas. So, TW, it was Diamond Stud and Oz. What a what a weird tag team combination because Diamond, I don't think Diamond Hands Dallas down, was, the worst gimmick of all time. I, I, I know, you, you'll keep re- rehashing that. I know, regurgitating oh, And poor anyway, man or Z-Man. And they, on took on, it. and they took on Tom Zink and Big Josh, a.k.a. Uh, Matt Bourne. I don't know why Matt. But this this is a great example, TW. If people don't know this, WCW, you got guaranteed money. You got more money than WWE. W, you know, Vince McMahon in 1991 did not offer you guaranteed money, but he offered you guaranteed opportunities. But we'll get into that once we get into the Razor Ramon years. But what say you about this match? Because he did his job, you know, Diamond Stud and Oz did their job, but I looked at this match and I was surprised that they allowed Zink and Big Josh to get a win because mostly Zink is Jim Powers. He's Paul Roma. He's the guy enhancing the talent of everybody else. He lost at a pay-per-view against Big Van Vader. He got squashed and now this time he gets over on Stud and Oz. What say you, TW? There's a reason. They were There's wrestling no that Matt. No. Okay. Big Josh, Z-Man, and I can't remember who the third guy was, were the six-man champions. And this was promoting that they were defending those titles. I think at, Brian Pillman. Because Zink and Pillman was. Yeah, it might have been Pillman. But I, I, for some reason, I'm thinking it wasn't Pillman. But mm-hmm. it probably was. Mm-hmm. Um, those three were defending on the upcoming whatever was happening, Clash of Champions or Pay-Per-View. Mm-hmm. They were defending the six-man titles. And the finish was... Big Josh had Oz in a submission hold or something, 
And Scott Hall just hit him with the freaking axe that he carried to the ring, and they yeah. lost by disqualification. So it was a dusty finish, if you will, that protects mm-hmm. Oz and Stud, but but makes those other guys on a winning streak going into their title defense, which if you say he lost to Vader in a squash, which he lost to Oz in a squash, and who was the other guy that made his debut with a dumb character a year after Oz, and he beat Z-Man the same way? Maybe Rick Rude as the, as the Halloween man. He actually did that to, to Z-Man. Where he didn't know who his opponent was, so he came out mm-hmm. after all the hosh and In a mask, yeah. Horrible. But this match was the first one to bum me out. Because, you know, when you watch Kurt Hennig and him versus Jimmy and Rigo, you're you're caught up in the whole, hey, it's got on Kurt Hennig, you know? Mm-hmm. And and then when you watch him and Undertaker versus Japanese guys, you're like, yeah, yeah. And then you watch Sid and him, you're like, yeah, yeah. And then I watch this, and I'm like, fuck. Three out of four of these guys are dead. Oh, and Lord. It, it, it hit me, man. I was like, man. And Why are you Z-Man, going Z-Man went down and over the cliff. It wasn't even a roll down the hill. He was walking yeah. and then it fell over. Drugs, man. Drugs are money. I know, and, I know. And I think Big Josh OD'd on Coke. It's just, it's insane to me, man. Like, Chuya, and, and a lot of it, it says something about the wrestling business. I don't want to, I'm not a bite the hand that feeds me. Plus, it never really fed me, hot dog and handshake. But a lot of guys, because it was no, I don't want to say it's because there was no union. It's because, like you said, they didn't say their fucking money. Uh, mm-hmm. These guys all took the pain pills because if they didn't wrestle, they didn't get they didn't make no money, and they weren't selling merch back then like they were in the nineties and two thousand. Right. So, um, but yeah, this this match was you could have left this one off. This this was the least enjoyable match. It was too long. Um, mm-hmm. I absolutely thought Big Josh and Z Man were already in the ring and were going to tap out at the same time. The two different submission holds. So when they won, I definitely was like, huh. But I do remember them saying they're defending the six-man titles this weekend or whatever. So that's why they won. And they didn't even win clean. Yeah. Well, you know, again, but what I got out of this match is the look. He's refining himself. He knows he's almost there. But he's just not there. And what his tights, his diamond stud, though, looked like a big diaper because he had that stupid (laughs) diamond in the front that was too Mm -hmm. big. Yeah. So instead of looking like a design like Kurt Hennig's tights, it looked like a trap door, like front butt, mm-hmm. like he had front butt trap door because he shit himself. But I didn't like it. But, but yeah, it, just, it was a, it was the Razor Ramon colors, the purple yeah, and gold. Yeah, it, it was the Razor Ramon colors. It was so he just knew he was close. He knew he was closer than ever before. So what did he have to do, Reflectionites? He again, he left guaranteed money in WCW in 1991 because he was getting paid more TW. To be where and at that position he was. Bet on himself. He bet on himself and went down to Connecticut, and oh. Vince McMahon offered him an opportunity. So Scott Hall, now being more seasoned, created this character, Reza Ramon, inspired by watching Scarface. This was not a Vince McMahon, I'm going to give, you know. Scott pitched it, yeah. Scott pitched it. He pitched If you will, T.W. I just lost that? you at he pitched. You froze. Oh, okay. So you said he pitched it. He pitched the idea to Vince McMahon about the Razor Ramon character in 1992. Vince McMahon was impressed. I wanted to say he was impressed by yep. the initiative that Scott Hall did to, you know, to you could say audition, you could say, about this character. And the Razor Ramon character debuts in 1992. Two, two things about the pitch, though. Two things. What? One, neither Vince nor Pat Patterson had ever seen Scarface. They had no idea 
Mm-hmm. He was taking this from Scarface. They thought Scott Hall was brilliant that he just made this all up. Mm-hmm. Scott only had Razor as the name, and they asked our good man, former Spotlight, I think we did Spotlight on him, Tito Santana. They said, hey, man, what's a Spanish name with an R to go with Razor? And he goes, Ramon. And he became Razor Ramon. Hey, it, it worked out beautifully for Reza Ramon. And TW, before we even talk about the, you know, there's so many matches reflectionized. We can't, I know TW will talk about the ladder matches, the, the fuse with Diesel, the fuse with HBK. We know there's so many, TW. Let's try to, like, we, again, we don't want to make this a five-hour spotlight. It could be easily done with the WWE years. But TW, even before he debuted, the vignettes were so good. You know, he was in the, in the, the restaurants of Miami, just sitting down and, and being cool. He was the cool bad guy. And at this time, TW, what, you know, there was Papa Shango. You know, in the Razor Ramon years, there was the, you know, T.L. Hopper. There was the, you know, the Duke. The goon. The, the, dump, the goon. The Duke Dumpster Drossy. The, you know, you had the dentist. You had all these cast of characters. But Scott Hall's character, even though I knew he was the diamond stud a year prior, I was engaged. I was invested. I'm, I'm getting into my teen years, TW, where I didn't like WWF. It was just too corny to me. But this character, this character alone, it was cool. I love the Razor Ramon. I could fast forward all the other stupid cartoony shit, but when Razor Ramon was on my screen... I paid attention. What say you? Because now he got the character. He got the direction that he wanted. He did it. He like you said. He it's his baby. Himself. It's his, it's his baby. baby. What say you about this character? I, I was in on sight. I mean, I liked him as Diamond Stud. I loved him as Razor Ramon, and that's why I took it so hard when he left because there was still work for Razor Ramon in WWF. Damn it, he would have been a world mm-hmm. champion. But again, he made the right decision. So in hindsight, you can't argue. They revolutionized the business. Him and Kevin Owens, or Kevin Owens, I'm reading Kevin, and I'm not even looking at Kevin Owens. Anyway, they, they revolutionized the way people got paid. Um, they, they changed the business. And, and around this time, as Razor Ramon, I told the story before, and I saw it in person at a house show at the Palace of Auburn Hills. The Narcissist and Razor Ramon were both bad guys. And they, mm-hmm. they used to do tests at house shows to see to test the waters, to see what the fans would do. And the word on the street was they were testing Razor and, and uh, Lex Luger, getting into it to see who the fans, the fans sided with. And I want to say it was, uh, it, it was either Lex versus, I think, Razor versus Brett and Lex was against Owen or something like that. And, you know, they kind of tied them together. So at the mm-hmm. end of the Brett match with Razor, Luger came out to help Razor beat Brett and cost him. So then they stood in the ring doing the yay-boo, yay-boo, 50-50. Half the crowd cheered for Lex, half the crowd cheered for Razor as bad guys, right? Mm-hmm. Within three months, Lex was body slamming Yokozuna on the USS Intrepid, and Razor Ramon was a good guy. I don't even remember how Razor turned good. I think it was because of the one, two, three kids stuff, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. From helping him. just say this let me backtrack here tw because we got to talk about the maturity of scott hall in the ring because now this is where you said this is where he's a great worker he has a great finishing maneuver the razor's edge which is more of a power bomb but he lifts you up tw the trust factor of the razor's edge 
what say you about the move, the Razor's Edge? Uh, so, in every match, he did this move. Uh, he, well, I'm sorry. He did it in the tag match with Undertaker. He did it in the match with Z-Man. He did it in the match. Did we skip one? Yeah, you skipped the Jericho match. Oh, no, that was when he went back Scott Hall. So he does it. I don't like how he picked the guy up. When you pick a guy up for a powerbomb or for a um, pile driver, you grab him by the waist. Mm-hmm. He grabbed him underneath their armpits. Mm-hmm. So when you're picking them up and folding them, it's like a flopping fish. You're not, you don't bend there. You bend at the waist. So I was watching him do it, and I was like, man, is he just not, like, is he slipping? Like, but then he did it every match the same way, and I'm like, ow. So that would make me not trust it. By the way, you mm-hmm. can't see it, but I, I've had this sitting here since I put him down. Mm-hmm. Standing up, too. So, yes, you have to have trust. And there's actually two moves Razor does that I trust him with. One is that move. The Razor's and Edge. Okay. two, the belly-to-back suplex off the top rope. Like, he puts you on the top rope, and he does it off the second rope. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you're Scott Hall taking it from him, he goes like this and turns, and you fall on your back. If you're taking it from the nasty boys, you're landing on your neck and your head and your knees hitting you in your face every single time. And it's just mm-hmm. night and day, the difference. Scott Hall, professional, absolute professional. So, yes, I would have trusted him to take it, which ironically, I talked about this before, the opening of Superstars had a, st- a, a Razor Ramon, Razor's Edge, that was botched, that was mm-hmm. done as the opening every week. And it was my buddy, Skull Gans. And the reason he did it, he did it on purpose. Skull mm-hmm. Gans was in the corner, and Scott Hall chopped him. And Skull Gans is a job guy. He's Al Brown in this match. He grabs the ropes like Lex Luger used to do to Flair. And okay. when Scott Hall saw that, he went, oh, yeah? And then beat the shit out of him the rest of the match and mm-hmm. dropped him on his head on that razor's edge. And that's, that razor's that's edge. That's confidence, T.W., because he, he knows that he's, he's, put, his, not gonna he's get put his time in. No, not, not only not get in trouble, but he put his years in. So he right. feels like he, he has that, that seniority, if you will. 100%, 100% guarantee when Scott Hall saw that, one word popped in his head. What? Mark. Mm, there you go. 100%. Good, there you go. That's a good and word. like I said, he's a professional. Mm-hmm. When he saw that, my guy, do that, them, and he thought, Mark, guess what Mark is? Not professional. And that's why he took it. Absolutely. He, he took that. He took that razor's edge. He didn't kill him. He still made sure. He mm-hmm. just he took it. There was no nice easy bump, but he did. He could have killed him by dropping him on his head. So he still did it in a way that didn't kill him. Well, you know what? Let me try to abbreviate the WWE career, and you can't abbreviate, but I'm going to do my <laughs> best. But he was pushed to the moon after the vignettes. He was already in a main event program, tag teaming with Ric Flair at Survivor Series '92 against. Perfect and Macho Man Randy Savage. He gets a shot at the WWE title against Bret Hart at Royal Rumble '93. His, but of course, you've said it, and a lot of people have said it. Scott Hall took a lot of knowledge in you know wherever he went. He learned under the learning tree of uh, wow, what a word, I, what a sentence I said. But he learned <laughs> under learning the tree. learning tree of Kurt Hanning, Vern Gagne, Greg Gagne. So he knows what makes sense, what's best for business, as we've heard that term. And one of the smartest things that Scott Hall does, and, and this is a, this is going with the Razor Ramon, and even to the, and I guess I'll, I'll forward myself into WCW and into maybe even TNA and Japan and stuff like that. When he sees young talent, 
He says, you know what's best for business? Getting them over in some right. way, shape, or right. form. Right. And as Razor Ramon, without the dirt shoes, without like you and me doing weekly review shows, he knows what's best for business. Putting Sean Waltman as the one, two, three kid over on a Monday Night Raw at Shock the Hammerstein Bowl shocked the world. Maybe in 2020, TW, people would overanalyze saying, what the hell is Vince McMahon doing? Right, but right. Scott Hall sees something different. you got to explain to these marks why Scott Hall did that, TW. We talk about X-Pac, Six-Pac, One, Two, Three Kid, Lightning Kid, Cannonball Kid. At the time, that's how he got his name. Mm-hmm. He literally was the Cannonball Kid, the Kamikaze Kid, and one other. Or just the kid. Or just, well, they then they called him the kid after a bit. Mm-hmm. But he, first of all, Monday Night Raw was new. I don't know if it was the first episode or the second. It was somewhere in that area. Um, mm-hmm. He puts him over. It gets him heel heat because now he chases him. Then they have the baby diaper match. And I think mm-hmm. Kid lost that one. And he had to dress like a baby. Well, that, that's now you're going where he turned heel. That was 95. But I'm talking about oh, like the I, first. Oh, I thought it was all part of the thing. No, and, no, no. And no. because he did that, you, you, you nailed it with the making money, what is arguably considered one of the greatest matches in the history of Monday Night Raw? Wow. Man, there's so many in the 30-plus well, years. Right. No, I'm talking about back then. And obviously one of these guys is in it, if I'm bringing it up in this topic. Oh, uh, Razor and Shawn oh. Michaels. Oh, Which one? One, two, three, kid versus Bret Hart. Oh, it, is, it was that might have even been the mm-hmm. first, that wasn't the first Monday Night Raw, but it was it started. That was ninety four. That was ninety four, and, and it went forty five minutes, I think. And then he did mm-hmm. a move where Bret caught him and then put him in a sharpshooter, and that's how the move ended or the okay. match ended. But mm-hmm. Razor doesn't do what Razor does with him. We don't have that match because the kid's back in global, you know, working on an ice cream truck, you know, because he you. There's a lot of guys that will say it, and they say it, and they shoot interviews all the time. Kevin Nash, I think, has a great mind for the business, but I still think he's a bit selfish if he's not being honest. You know, mm-hmm. they all say you got to build new stars because if you don't build new stars, then what good is it that you just say you're beating everybody? Big deal. Like, mm-hmm. you know, trash talking someone for being old. If they beat you, it makes you look bad. If you beat them, it makes you look bad because you beat an old man. So you don't do it. There's things you don't do, right? So Scott Hall, that's one, two, three kid gets, and, and it was, it was done so well that no one thought one, two, three kid was better than Razor Ramon. They just mm-hmm. thought he got the better of him that night. And then they furthered it by him chasing. I think he got another win or, you know, he, no, he, they chased him and then he offered money like five, like 2,500, 5,000 to fight him. And then, Kid stole the money from him, and then you talked about the turn. It was that face turn for Scott for uh, Razor Ramon with Ted DiBiase, but I don't want to get into that. But right. like I said, he was smart enough to understand not only to put the kid over, but of course there's that connection with him, Shaw Waltman, Kevin Nash, and of course HBK as they formed the click. Because if you notice, TW, during his tenure in WWE, his best programs, his best storylines – all involve the click because they all hunched together, you know, banded together, travel, you know, travel together, but also like did storyline. They were their own creative division. They wanted to create something enjoyable for pay-per-views, enjoyable for Monday Night Raws. And they so lived they, it 24-7. They were always they together lived. talking about the program. Yeah, it works. But Scott Hall was smart enough to say, you know what? Give the kid 
the win against me in a, in the shock the world manner, and then I can make the, I can run this for the next two months doing weekly like run-ins by wanting to chase them down and all that stuff. It was beautiful, T.W. That's what that's why I'm, that's why you like you said he's a student of the game and he has a mind for this business. And if the demons didn't get him like he, like it what like it did. He would be a creative person, you know, a creative director. Well, I don't want to call creative director, but a creative Writing writer team. or a booker. He's, he's yeah. an agent. He'd be a backstage agent for WWE for the next, like, decade and a half if he was, you know, on the straight and narrow. So Sober. He is four-time Intercontinental Champion. And, again, we've talked about the Intercontinental Championship on, our, on a spotlight, TW, the Working Man's Championship. But TW, like you, like you're pointing those titles, the best design of all time, no matter what, that's hands down. But TW, in the 80s, it was all about Tito Santana and Greg the Hammer Valentine. But in the 90s, in the early 90s to mid 90s, the Intercontinental title, if it wasn't around the waist of Razor Ramon, it just didn't feel right. He was the anchor of the Intercontinental Championship division. He had wars with Diesel. He had, of course, WrestleMania 10 and SummerSlam 95, respectively. <coughs> the ladder matches, the, the epic ladder matches with HBK, again, working with the Click TW. But what say you about his wars as the Intercontinental Champion, chasing and defending? The most memorable thing of that ladder match is how it started. Mm-hmm. I remember reacting to it. I remember more of the bad luck than it's work. Mm-hmm. He walked under the ladder. Mm-hmm. And that was probably done intentionally so that everyone there who was smart marks would go, he's going to blame losing on that. Like him walking under the ladder means he's losing. Like I've told you, I watch wrestling, and when a champion comes in, I look at their face to tell whether they're losing the belt or not. And the, the, the ones who believe their own hype are the ones who look different when they're losing a belt versus when they come out to defend it successfully. And Mm -hmm. one person recently shocked me because they had the look on their face like they were losing, and they won. And I was like, wow, she swerved me, and it was Charlotte Flair. But Charlotte Flair comes out cocky as shit all the time, and one Mm -hmm. day she came out and looked like she was pissed, and she won. And I thought, whoa, and she won by submission. I think it was the Rhea Ripley NXT WrestleMania belt match, but uh, I thought she was going to lose. But anyways... He came out under that ladder and went, ooh, like, ooh, bad luck, whatever, and then tore the house down. And of course. had he done that at WrestleMania 5, he would have been out of the company like Ricky Steamboat was after WrestleMania 3 because you don't, out, you don't outshine Hulk Hogan, damn it. Mm-hmm. But you could do that at 10. And what was even the main event of 10? Luger, Yokozuna, Brett? Yeah, Luger, Yokozuna, and, and Brett in that kind of – Mixed and then Owen versus Brett was the opening match. Yeah. So that's WrestleMania 10 is the one everybody thinks is the greatest WrestleMania of all time, right? Well, I think because of the, the ladder match, which was a PWI match of the year in 2000. Well, Owen Brett was pretty freaking solid, too. It was close, but it didn't. Yeah. The ladder but match saying, eclipsed that. But I'm saying that that those two matches, the fact that we talk about the ladder match more than we talk about Brett Owen or Lex Yoko. No, no. Or... We talk about Brett Owen. I think we don't talk about Brett Yoko. That's what right. it is. Those, those two matches them. eclipsed that. And you're right. It wasn't It wasn't a Hogan match. It wasn't a Hogan made event, which would have X'd them out. I understand what you're talking right. about. Right. It, it, it Steamboat. Steamboat. 
But uh, TW, before we let's get into the before we get into the business side of of Razor Ramon, aka Scott Hall, let's talk about the look of Scott Hall because again, like I said, he he was missing. He was so close with the diamond stud TW, but let's talk about the look. He he comes in, it's still diamond stud esque, but you know he he has the vest, he's got the necklace, change, yep. he's got the gold chains around his neck, and then when he has the Intercontinental title, he has the gold chains around his waist. And of dripping course, the gold. Ma- he's dripping in gold, but you just did it. The moniker, the piece de resistance reflection nights was the toothpick. So I have to. He didn't have that, that as a diamond stud. Nope. I thought he did. I thought he. I thought everything was. If the he same did, maybe he was. He was testing the waters, but it wasn't right. like his. It, it wasn't his catchphrase. You right. Know he didn't do it was, that. It, it and that. What, and that running man shit, man. That's that's mm-hmm. more you're shaking the ropes level. Right there, right. Like, people ate that up, or that's it. Mm-hmm. He did that's it before he did the move. Um, but dude, he he's one of those guys. Like you're talking '93, had his had his case tossed out in '83, so he's probably mat- wrestling his first match in '84. So '84 mm-hmm. to '94, what a freaking ascent from where mm-hmm. he was to where he is. And then he hasn't even gone back to WCW yet because I'm going to talk about that shit too when we get to that. But Well, before that, TW, let's talk, about, let's talk about at least one match. We already talked about the ladder matches here and there. They're epic. You cannot deny that reflection. But I wanted to give TW a match to watch that was kind of like, let's, let's just call it untapped. I don't, I don't want to call it untapped potential. It's just an untapped history-making moment. When he's the IC champion... Defending against Diesel, and look at all the the, the the cast of characters. You had a run-in from HBK, and you had a run-in from, from the 123 Kid. So, TW, what say you about this? The click all band together to make a to make a raw moment in 1993. What say you, The only thing missing is special guest referee, Triple H. But, yeah. uh, and um, PJ Walker, too, as, uh, as the ring bell announcer. Right. This is... The worst Shawn Michaels has ever looked, and I'm considering the brown tights when, which you know the story behind that, right? He forgot his gear, so they had to make him something really fast in the back for the Hell in the Cell. Mm-hmm. On the world oh, you title. mean the elimination type? Yeah, elimination elimination, chamber. yeah, whatever the fuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. hell. Oh, by the way, why is AEW still cage matches Hell in the Cell? Britt Baker versus the... We'll get into that Shisco. with another no, show. Wait, wait. Is that all their cage matches are, are around the ring, not on the ring? No. Is, that was they, a hell in the cell match. It's no cage, no roof. No, they've always had the big cages. They don't. They don't do the. Uh, they don't do cage. up against the side no. of the rope. That's weird no. to me. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't like it. But anyways, um, worst look Shawn Michaels ever had was this one coming out with mm-hmm. his freaking members only Kmart fake leather jacket, mm-hmm. um, black leather gloves, and his. But remember, T W. Tucked this- into his girl boots. Okay, but remember, T W. But. Kayfabe-wise, this was starting that program where Shawn Michaels was suspended was for a, was, right. was suspended for a couple of weeks because of the steroid issues. But he didn't give back to Vince McMahon the Intercontinental title, so he had to make another Intercontinental title. And you know, Razor won it via the Battle Royal. But now, hence beauty. I don't know if this was pre-planned by the Click that Shawn Michaels was going to hold the IC title hostage, but he. That's where, you know, TW, sometimes something something that isn't pre-planned, destiny just happens, and then you get the uh, icy, bat, uh, icy he wouldn't be on He wouldn't be on TV if he was really holding that belt hostage. He did. 
He just had it. Vince McMahon this gave a lot of leeway months. to Shawn Michaels. This was developed months and ahead of time. You're, they giving, already you're, had giving, a... you're giving Vince too much credit. By the way, Vince... wasn't the battle royal, and then it was Rick Martel versus Razor Ramon was the last yeah. year, and they wrestled, right? It wasn't, yeah, they wrestled uh, the, the next week. So I'm confused because when I looked up the history, Shawn Michaels forfeited the belt to Dean Douglas, and then I thought Razor beat him. That's 95, 93. He did it beat. again? Yes. I'm what trying the to shit? What the fuck? You're wrestling in this. Uh, again, yeah. I'm telling you. I this was wrestling. Was not... That's why I don't know. Yes. I was wrestling. I know. I'm... You're confusing history. I'm telling you. Shawn Michaels he forfeited got... that belt twice? He forfeited twice. Once for steroid abuse. And this where, again, the planets aligned destiny happened where you had the undisputed IC championship match in a, in a ladder match for WrestleMania 10. So, again, but Shawn Michaels got a lot of leeway. But, anyway, we're not talking about that right now. But, anyway, De destiny hit, hits. But Razor Ramon is a great worker. He can work with these. He can work with the big guys of Diesel. He can work with the small guys of one, two, three kid. He could work with the, the technical guys of Dean Douglas. So neither here nor there. But before we get into the WCW thing, we have to talk about the click in, in a sense. You talked about it a little bit. Not only did they travel together, but they uh, traded, you know, financial secrets, so to speak. Everybody in the click knew how much they made. And what did they do with that knowledge, TW? They went to Vince McMahon and they got raise after raise. They weren't getting guaranteed money, but they knew for it's the got bigger cut. They right. got a bigger slice of the pie for WrestleMania. They got a bigger slice of the pie for SummerSlam. They got a bigger slice of the pie for for the Survivor Series. There wasn't a, a pay per view every month like it was like it is today. There was about four to five the most in 1993 before you know Eric Bischoff starting to churn up pay per views once one after another after another. So. They were smart businessmen, TW, and hence, by 1996, Reflection Nights, Scott Hall, you know, he kept saying this. He said this in every interview, TW. He didn't want to leave the WWE, but he knew, he, he knew his value. It wasn't about being the heavyweight champion in my eyes, TW. He wanted to stay in the WWE. He knew the Intercontinental Division was gold. He, know he, he knew he could main event with the Intercontinental title if he felt like it. Or he knew it was going to be high mid card to you know mid made event, so to speak. He just wanted to be, hey, he wanted to be compensated for the efforts that he puts into that ring. Vince wasn't going to do that because that's all he offered was opportunity. He wasn't offering money. But guess who offered money? Eric Bischoff. And in May of 1996, Memorial Day, Reflection Nights. You know, TW. For AEW purposes, we always—I guess a lot of people who are WWE—well, well, I want to use that word again, TW—and you'll smile. The WWE stands and the AEW sexuals or AEW whatever marks, you know, WWE shills. Let's just keep it with that. We'll always laugh that you know CM Punk didn't move the needle for AEW. Daniel Bryan hasn't moved the needle for AEW. But in May of 1996. Losing Scott Hall or Razor Ramon to go to WCW, to go to Atlanta, to invade Nitro, whatever the case may be, this was a legitimate ratings pull. That shifted the war, the Monday Night Wars, to the side of WCW. Now, TW, get away from your, your WWE uh, 
flagpole, and, but understand the business sense. He wanted to get compensated for the, the contributions he made, and he is he's now a pioneer along with himself and Kevin Nash to helping wrestlers of today get guaranteed money. He had to do it. You gotta respect that, and like, and anybody who goes to WCW, who went to WCW, and I was mad at like Public Enemy going to WCW. I was mad at Raving for going to WCW. But now hindsight being twenty twenty, TW, you understand you gotta feed your families. You can't like, you know, hot dog and a handshake. You know that hot dog gets cold. I want, my, use. I want, the, I want the green. I want the money. I want to make sure that my bills are paid. I want to make sure my kids are going to school. I want to make sure my kids are. You know, the heat is on and all that stuff. I can't get mad at that. And Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are pioneers to getting compensation for these wrestlers. What say you, TW? Get the fandom out of your way and talk the business. I watched, uh, you know, I do this every time you have me watch stuff on YouTube. I watch, I watch other stuff. And mm-hmm. he was doing, I forget who the guy is that does those shoot interviews where he sits there with them and then shows them a TV where somebody said something about him and then they talk about it. Mm-hmm. He uh, he's not a big Bret Hart fan, uh, and he he finally said something that you talking about. Still, Scott? yeah, I still okay. don't think Montreal was a work. I still think Bret got screwed. Um, mm-hmm. However, he said he goes. I still think it's a work because he goes. Well, let me get back. This is why I brought up Bret. Razor was the Intercontinental Champion when Bret was World Champion, and he went up to Bret and said, "Hey, man." You got to ask for more money. He goes, I know you're not happy. He goes, I'm the number two guy, and I'm not happy. But I can't go complain if you don't. So you got to complain. He goes, and we used to call Brett the $400,000 champion. It's P.S. Mm-hmm. was a lot of fucking money considering 10 years earlier guys were making forty grand. Right now he's mm-hmm. making four hundred grand. He's like, and Brett didn't care as long as he was putting people in a sharpshooter every night. So I didn't like the fact that he took a shot at Brett. It's obviously they didn't like each other as people, even though they must have buried the hatch because Brett did a nice little touching thing on Scott Hall. Um, mm-hmm. He passed. But when um, uh, damn it, I forget what I was going to say because I backtracked. Oh, the Montreal Screwjob. The one thing he said. This is the first thing that ever made me go, oh, like. To, to open my eyes to the fact that it might be a work. He mm-hmm. goes, think about it. He goes, Bret Hart, in the middle of Vince McMahon's ring on a TV show, he goes, no one does this. He spelled out WCW, and they've never edited it out. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I went, wow. Like, there's so many things that we see happen that's on the SmackDown. Compi- that's the conspiracy theory about right. like how. Mm-hmm. How how is that allowed and not like mid C? They would have been like, whoa, whoa, cut away. But mm-hmm. Vince was out there, so maybe Vince wasn't out there to cut away. And maybe all the mm-hmm. footage I've seen has been from YouTube, from the original broadcast. But I, I I wanted to go watch it on the Peacock and see if they show Brett do it. Because if they added out WWF, if they added out ring music, and they added out all that stuff, granted he owns WCW now. Mm-hmm. Why would they have shown that and never ever bleeped it out? Yeah, again, it almost makes you feel like him and Brett per- concocted the perfect way to get out of it, appease Sean, make everybody think Brett got screwed, and it's just insane to me. You know, it's just. But when he said he went on Vince's TV show and spelled out WCW, and I just mm-hmm. thought, wow. But again, it could be what do you call it? What's that thing you like to call? I always do the butterfly effect. 
Oh, Mandela <laughs> like, effect. The Mandela effect. It may have never been shown again other than live, and everything I've seen has been someone showing the original cut. And no, it's, the re- been, it's been shown over and over, even replays too. Right, but now they own WCW, so big deal. No, I'm they saying... showed that that they showed it even before they bought it. Um, they showed it during the the Attitude Era too. Trust me. Then they were doing Trust. it to make wrestling seem real again. I don't. Yeah. But that that was the first thing that made me go, wait a minute, because mm-hmm. that was today. That was today that made me. But Brett's so hell bent that it was screwed that I can't help but to think. And Sean acted like he didn't know, and now admits that he did know. So the other things have come out that I still think it was a screw job. But go ahead. No, no, I was I was asking you about the business end of it. Like Scott oh, Hall wanted to get yeah. compensated, and he was the pioneer along with himself and Kevin Nash. Yeah, he was talking he, about the $400,000 My whole champion. point of bringing that up is if Brett would have done what he asked, they would have got paid there, and then he wouldn't have had to do what he did. So, yeah, he mm-hmm. again, it was it was history in the making. And I just want to say this about Kevin Nash. I might have said this before. Um, so, so here's my Scott Hall story, real quick, because you said it. So 2013, I go to a Border City Wrestling show. That's Scott Demore's home promotion, not Impact. Mm-hmm. But they actually do stuff with Impact when they record now. But anyway, so Scott Hall, Jake the Snake's there, and Rikishi. And I don't know how I got introduced to Scott or Jake, but at some point, me, Scott Hall, Jake the Snake, and my buddy Greg, who I brought to the show, we're having a conversation, the four of us. And mm-hmm. when it was over, Scott and Jake went their way, and I turned to look at my buddy, and his chin's on the floor. And I look at him, and I go, what's wrong? He goes, dude, we just had a conversation with Jake the Snake and Razor Ramon. And I look at him, and I go, at this point, I'm in the business 20 years. So I look at him, and I go, oh, yeah, this is new to you. I forgot. you know. And then Scooby-Doo, a couple hours later, we're singing happy birthday to Razor Ramon at a, at a bar that Scott owned at the time. Five minutes after that, Rikishi is sitting in the middle of this hallway in a chair. And this is what I was talking about. I was going to mention earlier when you said today's mentality versus yesterday's mentality. I was trained that when you show up to a building, you shake everybody's hand and introduce yourself if you don't know them or just say hi if you do. Mm -hmm. You get there and you do that when you leave and you wish everybody safe travels. They don't do that anymore. CM Punk didn't do it. It's one of the reasons I don't like them. I walk up to Rikishi who's sitting in his chair. Stick my hand out and go, how you doing? I'm Tommy. He literally looked up at me, like, get the fuck away from here. Who the fuck are you? Then looked at my hand, then looked up at me again, and then reluctantly shook my hand, right? And I just thought, well, that was weird. All right, man, take care. And then I, I left him alone. I just did what I was trained to do. Mm-hmm. Now, Scooby-Doo, I believe five years later. I've told this story a million times. My only brush with WCW, I go to walk into the locker room as Booker T walks out. Booker T looks down at me because he's a fucking giant, and he sticks his hand out and goes, how you doing, man? I'm Booker T. And I think I said this before. If we had word bubbles, mine would have said, no shit. And I was just like, how you doing? I'm Tommy. And I'll never forget that as long as I live. I've, I've always liked Booker T, but that made me respect him. Mm-hmm. 2018, I'm at a Border City 20th anniversary show or whatever, 25th. I go underneath the building to go to the locker room, say hi to everybody. Bobby Roode was rude to me. And as I was walking back, because you had to go underneath this building to come back up to the show, Kevin Nash is walking the other way. Kevin Nash is someone I've criticized many times. I don't agree with half the shit that he says. But as we passed each other, he looked right at me, walked over, and said, how you doing? I'm Kevin Nash. And I went... How you doing? I'm Tommy. Nice to meet you. And then we kept our ways. And all I thought was, 
There was nobody around. There was no reason he had to do that. And conversely, in 2005, I had that same moment with Shawn Michaels at Joe Louis Arena where we just mm-hmm. nodded at each other and kept walking because I didn't want to get kicked out of there by going, how you doing, Shawn? You know, whatever. So Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, as much as I did not like what they did, as far as, to me, it looked like biting the hand that feeds They're part of a generation. I of get it now. Mm-hmm. And they did. Kevin Nash, for all his... Like, shitty takes on things. I know uh, some people agree with everything he says, like the one that called me out for saying they. Uh, For all the shitty takes he has on something, he has never, ever wavered on one fact. He wanted to get paid. He's never made it personal. He's never made it... you know, I, I he was under the um, the learning tree of Chief Chief Jay Strongbow. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. That's but if you make friends, he made them right. Mm-hmm. He was open to it, but that right. wasn't his priority. And so, for those guys to do what they did, 100 hats off to the both of them. And, and I ain't mad at them no more. And I wasn't for a long time. But when they did it, and I actually thought the WWF was going to go out of business. And this is what I was starting to say to you. They were taking something from me. If the WWF ceased to exist, Professor, mm-hmm. it would be like, like you know, when you see a celebrity die and people go, oh, 2020, you're stealing my childhood. Well, imagine an entire company being gone and this wall mm-hmm. here of title belts and all these figures and stuff. That's that's a big chunk of my life. And in 96, I'm trying to be a wrestler and I'm, and I'm you know, I, I want to go there. You know, that's where I want to go. I would have done jobs for WCW, but I wanted to go to the WWF. That was, and I'll be honest with you, that's where everyone wanted to go. WCW called them, they'd go, but they all wanted to go to New York. Trust me when mm-hmm. I tell you that. Every locker room, everywhere I ever wrestled, the goal was to wrestle at WrestleMania, not Starcade. And God bless NWA and mm-hmm. WCW and all that. But that was my problem with it then. And in hindsight, that was never their agenda. Their agenda, was to get paid. And they all had the same answer when they asked this question. When did you know Vince was going to win the war? And they always say, I always knew he was going to win the war. <laughs> like, they had no mm-hmm. doubt in their mind that Vince was going to win the war. Bullshit. Because they, if, if they were Chris Jericho today, they would be like, ah, they're going out of business, if it was the other way around. They would have never, ever in a million years, mm-hmm. when they were winning for 83 weeks, thought Vince was going to win the war. They but wouldn't, I, say, I they wouldn't they say it publicly, they say it privately. But anyway... Right. Because of the impact that both Hall and Nash did, I gave you the match that you wanted to see. They got breath. Bash at, Bath, Bash at the Beach, 1996. Hall and Nash and a mystery man who would turn out to be Hulk Hogan, the birth of the NWO, goes up against Sting, Luger, and Macho Man Randy Savage, TW. And, you know, the one thing that I'll say about this match, everybody knows, you know, the Hogan turning, you know, it, it catapulted his career. It gave him life again. It gave him new life. Second act. But that second act would never have happened if it wasn't for Hall and Nash. And that's the that's the beauty of it because, again, now Hall is contributing more. It's not about who he he, – he understands, I need to get Hogan in a bigger plateau. I need – they knew that they needed somebody from that side. If it was either Hogan, Savage, or Sting, it was those three that had to turn. It was Viscera. No, Viscera. <laughs> what the hell? No, you, but, you don't but, know that that's the rumor. That Viscera wanted to be the 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 third Vis- member. I don't know who uh, they, they made fun of him. It's either Meltzer said it or uh, what's his dick. No, the, the the first choice was Vince Sting. Rus- they wanted they wanted they wanted Sting nope. to be Sting was the backup if Hogan chickened out. 
No, no. Sting was the first choice. Hogan was the second choice. Hogan was wavering. Both of them were wavering, but then Hogan was smart enough to say, yeah, let me do it. But I, I just wanted to reiterate that Scott Hall, you know, when he sees, like, to put over one, two, three kid, but he knows he needed either Sting or Hogan. You know, he knew that he needed Sting or Hogan to, to make this NWO To thing, legitimize it. To legitimize it. To take it to the next level. And that's what the one thing that Vince McMahon has lost. We always say that Vince McMahon is a great adaptator, you could say. He's adapter. A, he, adapter. He's a great <laughs> adapter. But he, but the NWO history, that's not, his, that's not Vince's history. This is WCW's history. This is one of those great things. So what say you about the match? Because the environment of this match, again... Everybody was just waiting for who was that third man. They booked it so beautifully, TW. You can't deny it, even if he was a WWF man. The, um, so the the link you sent me was for fucking Daily Motion, and I deleted that shit off my fire oh, stick boy. for space. So I just watched what I could watch on um, the Peacock on YouTube, and so. I think what they did, and I don't remember it, and I don't, I'm not entirely certain I've ever seen this match in its entirety. I think they took Luger out early to imply he was the third guy. Like that's why he was. No, there. no, he was just hurt. He he got hurt in the in the match, and legit? then he had to. Le, not legit. It was storyline. It was storyline. Okay, well, right. He got right, stretched out. One, one of the other reasons was so he gets out of there. And now it's two against two. If mm-hmm. Luger comes back out. Everyone thinks he's coming to help Sting and Macho, and then he can turn on him, right? That would be your typical 80s booking, right? Like, Luger's no, no, coming he back. Was he was stretching out. He was neck braced and all that. He was out. Right. He was eliminated okay. out of the picture. There right. Nobody but he would be Luger the first was... guy neck yeah. braced that would show back mm-hmm. up. No, I understand. So, so if Hogan, maybe he was the backup plan. If Hogan wouldn't do it, they would have sent Luger mm-hmm. back out. Uh, so when Hogan came out, everyone cheered. Not everyone. I think it was outdoors too, so that doesn't help with the the no, sound. It, it was at the. Um, not the it, was arena. Th- it, was, oh. it was at Daytona Beach, Florida. It was the Daytona Civic Center. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was outdoors, like when they did mm-hmm. the swimming no. pool on the fucking side of the ring match. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so then then the then the crowd didn't cheer as much as they would have normally. So when Hogan came out, um, they cheered. They thought he was coming to save him, but there was really no reason to save him. Like you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. to me. Sting, Macho, and Luger already had three guys. So why is Hogan even coming out? And he come out right when Savage reversed something because he got stopped on the hot tag and all of them mm-hmm. were laid out. So when right. Hogan came out, it was almost like, why? Like, again, this is revisionist history. I didn't see it live. Mm-hmm. But why is Hogan coming out? They don't need help. It wasn't like Sting was handcuffed and they were two-on-one and um, – as Macho. much as as much as anything, I, I can answer your question because I, I think because you didn't watch I wish you watched the Daily Motion because it was full born. It was thirty right. minutes. You needed to see that. You needed right. to see everything. The fan reaction was the marks because they knew that Hogan was turning. They right. were actually excited right. that That's Hogan was the third guy. I would I would guess that everyone in there seeing Hogan come out when he came out when really mm-hmm. there was no reason, were probably thinking he's the third guy. And mm-hmm. then who fucking ruins it? Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan mm-hmm. ruined it. And you could hear whoever, Shivani was like, what are you talking about? Like, dummy, what are you doing? Like, don't don't stooge it off. And he stooged it off. And then mm-hmm. when Hogan did the turn, people booed. But I think, and, and that promo, because I did watch that. I watched the YouTube, and it ended with Hogan in the ring. And then I found another link that was just a promo. The promo's not that good. 
It's not. Mm -hmm. Like, it's another thing that I tell you, it lends credence to Vince scripting promos because it would have been better, right? But mm -hmm. it's Hulk Hogan. Who who thinks he needs a script? And I've, I think I've heard for years, and I think you've told me it's not the case, but I think I've heard from years that when he called it the New World Order, that wasn't the name they were going to use. He just said, call this the New World Order, brother. Um, no, he was gonna, it was going to be called the New World Organization, but then... He said that was, at the end. Okay, so he botched Organization he botched, with Order. Because yeah. he does say Organization at the end. New World Order's way better than Organization. Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, so, but remember, the, the New World Order was already copy... Well, I don't know copywritten, but New Japan already had it. So that's oh. why he wanted to call a new world organization. Oh, well, I thought because they were going to remember how but the relationship to the, change the name of the promotion. But the working relationship sounds but better. The working relationship with New Japan allowed Bischoff to use New World Order and just keep going with it. That's hence why they, that, that would have been, been a hell of a botch if they didn't. Right. But uh -huh. anyway, you know, it just Scott Hall and Kevin Nash just knew that Hogan legitimized it. It got them to another level, and of course, they ran with that 83 weeks thing. But the, another thing, again, being the pioneers of bit, what you want to do. So, I'm going to ask you a question on this. When Hogan mm -hmm. was talking, Hall and Nash both were doing this, this, and this. The mm -hmm. whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, it's mocking them. But I think it was them mocking the fans. Like, yeah, mocking the fans that you, grew up but watching. But it felt like you were mocking Hogan when you were like, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. But no, so they I was watching it. It was kind they of they mocked it. No, they mocked it because like you're not getting it. You're not getting it. And two, Hulkamania was dead. Right. They knew that 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 it wasn't going to mean anything to the kids. It wasn't going to mean anything to the fans that that grew up with them. But anyway, like I said, the marks just loved it because then it just lit a fire for Hogan's second chapter in his in his illustrious wrestling career. But let me just say this. During this 1996 period, TW, again, how pi the, the pioneering of Hall and Nash with their business acumen, they were not under a full-fledged WCW contract. They got a pay raise within the first couple of months because WWE was promoting that Razor Ramon and Diesel were coming back to Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Scaring the bejesus out of Eric Bischoff and WCW uh, lawyers and brass management, TW, they had no choice because they were not under a full-fledged co contract. They were under a letter Time of Warner. intent. No, no, they weren't under anything. Oh. They were under call a letter of intent, which oh. meant that they could leave. They, could, oh. they didn't give a notice or nothing. It wasn't a yearly. It was. So Vince did them a favor. Vince did did Hall and Nash a favor and gave them an extra $350,000 on top of the money they were already making. So they were already full-fledged millionaires. I just wanted to put that fun fact out there. Think Vince knew? No, Vince didn't care. He was just trying to fuck with, you know, he was trying to fuck with WCW because the, the, the lawsuit that went nowhere against WCW because of, of the trademark thing. What? Doing hey, yo. Yeah, he, he sued WCW because he, he thought that doing the, the mannerisms of Diesel, doing the mannerisms of Razor Ramon were stealing IP trademarks. And, and, and implying they were from the WWF still. Right, and implying that. But then they the, the judge dismissed that because they, they, they found no credence to that. But anyway, neither here nor there. But let's get it. The New World Order, TW, Hall, Nash, and Hogan, the founding fathers of it, 
Then you add, you know, six pock, if you will. That's the wolf and pack. Sixty more people. And then well, we don't care about the sixty more people, but the, the core is Hogan, Hall, Nash, and Six. But you've kind of push Hogan to the side because Hogan is about being the Hollywood guy. Hall, Nash, and Six created an, an underling organization with themselves. They were the original Wolfpack. It wasn't Sting, it wasn't Luger, it wasn't Nash and Conan. I don't, the original Wolfpack was those three guys. I just wanted to put that out there for all the reflection. I, you know, because we have to tell the story here, T.W., but during the wars between NWO and WCW-TW, I gave you a match here in 1997 where Scott Hall went up against Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho was a, you know, wet behind the ears baby face, you could say. But it wasn't about that match. It was about building a program towards Starcade with Scott Hall and Larry Sabisco for fighting for control of Monday Nitro. But what say you about this match, TW? It was a Monday Night Nitro match. You know, it was giving away a, a great pay-per-view caliber match on free TV because Eric Bischoff was all about the ratings. What say you about this match? Well, it was the one, two, three kid match all over again, except for rather than pursue Jericho, he pursued Larry because he beat Jericho up afterwards. Mm -hmm. But when I watched it, I thought, because again, I wasn't watching this stuff live. I'm like, is Jericho new at this point? Because I felt like that Jericho had been there a year or so at least. Because he looked the, he'd been bigger. there for a year. Yeah, he he's yeah, been there he wasn't the original CW. Lionheart with the mm -hmm. yellow tights and the Gene Simmons hair. He had the two different color hairs. He looked like Tony Storm. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was like, he'd been there already a while. So him beating Scott Hall isn't that big of a deal. But he still was a cruiserweight. Maybe TV mm -hmm. title was in his grasp at that point. Well, but, again, like you said, Scott Hall is just what's best for business what is best for the storyline with him and larry sabisco getting a shock the world taking a shock the world loss to chris jericho at that point in juncture for monday night nitro what it what did it do tw it made me watch nitro because not only it was live i didn't expect it no one expected you expected the nwo to to run through rough shot all the jabronis of wcw and it just didn't happen so that's what made it a great match so let's just put a bow on this WCW career with with uh, the NWO TW. Of course, him and Kevin Nash formed one of the top fifteen tag teams of all time. Gonna, <laughs> I don't want to call it top five. Top one hundred of all time tag teams. I'm gonna go fifteen because, of course, I can name better tag teams than the outsides. But they're one of the top fifteen tag teams of all time. I'm gonna give the devil its due. They were multiple time WCW tag team champions. Scott Hall himself was a WCW television champion, a U.S. heavyweight champion, TW. But again, during this tumultuous time in the in his WCW, what, did, what was the last one you said? U.S. heavyweight champion. He was. He was US. US. Yes, but during but in WCW, TW, he had many like weeks where he was off TV. Hiccups. There was he had many hiccups. It was the drug thing. It was the alcohol thing, T.W. Like you said, he was an en his, he was his own worst enemy. And like you said, maybe he could have been the WCW heavyweight champion. Maybe he could have beat Hulk Hogan, you know, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Maybe he could have beat Sting for the heavyweight, for the WCW heavyweight champion. They just, they couldn't pull the trigger in giving Scott Hall that title. It went to Nash, but Scott Hall didn't get the, get the thing. So, 
you know, you, you said it, you know, the, the, the organizations that matter to you, WCW, WWF, and AWA, he never got that brass ring of the heavyweight championship. What's it's because he's Cuban. <laughs> yes, it was racism. Total ra- total racism. But uh what say UTW about never getting that brass ring besides the tragic. You know, it's just a tragic. I think as you were saying all that, I think had WCW won the war, the inevitable match that would have got him the world title, which would have been the best storyline to do it, mm-hmm. would have been him winning it from Kevin Nash. Like somehow they fall apart and then he mm-hmm. comes up build up to it like sting versus uh hogan uh and mm-hmm. then razor finally wins the big one by beating his former best friend big daddy cool kevin nash um but yeah it's just it's tragic man and he never even won the tnc title or tna or whatever no uh, but uh we'll get into that but he got fired from wcw because of his transgressions in demons in 2000 but he did go to my organization in 2000, Eat Extreme Championship Wrestling. So Paul Heyman did, you know, call him. He did do a program in ECW against Just Incredible for, you know, about a month or so two. So he made it four years there at a million a year? No, I don't know how much money he got in ECW, but the no, checks did no. clear. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm oh. talking about WCW. He made it four years at a million a year? Give or take, yeah. Probably a million, million and a half tops. But he was well, they got that. raises. They got raises when Brett signed there too. So they mm-hmm. had it in their thing that they had to be the top paid guys there. Yeah. So he was a millionaire, but again, some of that millions went to drugs, and some of that million went to coke and hookers and all that stuff. But hookers you know, and- hookers and blow. But in two thousand, this was a beautiful time before you know WCW and ECW closed down. TW, did you realize that? The NWO was in everywhere, was was in every major organization. WCW had Kevin Nash. ECW had Scott Hall. And then WWF had X-Pac. The Wolfpack controlled the wrestling business in three (laughs) different organizations. That was a fun time to be a wrestling fan. Again, he was in in ECW for two months. But, again, that was the best two months of my life because I got to see it on TNN and all that stuff. But neither here nor there. But he, but he went to Japan, of course, because he could get easy money being, you know, Scott Hall and have the Wolfpack gear and all that stuff. And I gave you a match to see. Click. You know, the click stuff. But any, I gave you a match to, in 2001 against a young babyface, young up-and-coming star who would become the John Cena of New Japan Pro Wrestling to this day. He's one of the pillars of New Japan, Hiroshi Tanahashi. And Scott Hall, again, no matter if he was, you know, the demons were, you know, infecting his brain, it never affected, it never affected him inside that ring. He knew what was best. He was no Jeff Hardy. He was no Jeff Hardy. Well, he might have been high off, high as a kite, but you would never tell. He looked rough. He looked rough in that match. He looked like his hair was bad. But he kept it professional. Yeah, He kept it professional. But what say you about seeing the Best finish to any of the match. Best finish of any of these matches. Uh, he looked frustrated. He was eating that dude up, slapping him around, like you said, mm-hmm. taking liberties on him. What a difference for 11 years later compared to that match with the other two guys. Um, mm-hmm. He worked more gimmick than he did, you know, work, you know, you know, as far as technician. Um, but the finish of this match, whether it was his idea or someone came up with it, and he was like, absolutely, it was so well done. 
that I was going to ask you who that guy was, and you, that moment probably made that guy's career, and that's mm-hmm. why he's the John Cena of New Japan because you know you, you go ahead and over. tell you go ahead and yeah. tell him what happened, but it was absolutely the best finish of any match. Go ahead and say it. He he did the Razor's Edge, mm-hmm. the Outsider's Edge, and then which makes no fucking sense. Razor's Edge, yeah. Outsider's Edge. Anyway, he did WWE. it. Stop, stop being the WWE shield. Be, and be, no, be. Razor's Edge makes sense. The edge of a razor was, oh, I guess, outside edge too. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Anyway, um, he grabs the mic, and I'm thinking he's gonna go survey time. Should I hit him with one more? And he was mm-hmm. gonna get rolled up, but instead. He goes over, and he's having a Broadway match with the cord, and he whips that thing around, so he finally got enough slack because he's a professional. He knows he has to do it in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. So he gets in front of the hard cam, and he goes, Ma- Maha, Mahirohashi, or whatever the guy's name was. Hiroshi Tanahashi. No, not the guy he's wrestling. Oh. He called out someone else. Oh, okay. He called Masahiro out someone It wasn't Chono, but it was somebody with an M. I thought he was speaking Japanese because uh, Undertaker yelled out something in Japanese when he did the claw and the crowd popped. Like, mm-hmm. I thought, so I thought he was saying survey says in Japanese, right? Okay. But he said, we'll just use your name. He goes, Professor, if you ever get in the ring with me, this is what you're going to have happen to you. And then the kid rolled him up and got a pin. So it looked like he got caught talking trash, but also told the other guy, yeah, you'll beat me too. You know, that's mm-hmm. just, it turned his trash talk. It's even worse because he, on top of it, got beat. And then the kid mm-hmm. rolled out of the ring like a smart kid. Because if you stay in that ring, Scott Hall is beating the shit out of you like he did Jericho, but who was supposed to stay in the ring so Larry mm-hmm. Zabisco could make the save. But it was absolutely well done. I didn't see it coming. When he didn't say survey says, should I hit him with another one? If he did that, I knew that kid was winning 100%. I was waiting right. for him to win the exact same way that Jericho did. And mm-hmm. so when he did it, and the kid's just laying there dead, and he grabs a mic. So for him to call out somebody else without even pinning him, and then that kid just rolls him up, beauty. Think I hope it was his idea because it was beautiful. Uh, of course, like I keep saying, like Scott Hall, he does whatever is best for business reflection nights. It doesn't matter to him. He he took losses to people that shouldn't have beat him because of his stature, but he knew. Like you said, what's best for business, get these guys over, and now Tanahashi's the Let's John make money. Cena. Just make money. He's the John Cena of New Japan Pro Wrestling. But, TW, let's put a ball on in the 2000s because it is one of those things. Like, he, he did his stints in TNA, a.k.a. Impact Wrestling. We don't have to talk about the match against Jeff Jarrett. But, again, he's old. You know, he's older. He's a little bit more. He looks way better in that match than he did physically in the in a tanahashi match but i think a lot of people think he just didn't you know again he, he let himself go no matter what in the 2000s it, it is what it is actually older. i would i would argue that he looked 42 years old to me but was still in great shape but okay. maybe could have been in better shape if he wasn't also having broadways with liquor bottles so yes let me just say this he had stints in tna impact wrestling in the 2000s he went to puerto rico for world wrestling council and you said he's never been a heavyweight champion? He was the WWC heavyweight champion. Oh, so he was an island champion. That's great. Now let's talk about world championships. But he, No, no. Carlos Colon would be proud. Hey, 
Carlos Colon is a world heavyweight champion. I don't give a fuck what you say. It is a world heavyweight championship. But I, I understand what you say. He's the best man ever to be the world heavyweight champion. I just wanted to give it give it out there. And of course, I don't want to talk about any transgressions behind, you know, you know, he had arrest here and there because of drunk driving and all that stuff and and sexual harassment here and there too. But I'm not gonna put point that out. But in 2014, TW, he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame under the tag of Razor Ramon, not under the tag of Scott Hall. And, of course, he would be re-inducted into the Hall of Fame for the NWO. He's a two-time WWE Hall of Famer, TW. So let's Along with Brett and Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels and Triple H. No, Triple H and, ain't in there yet. No, not yet. Uh, X- Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Damn, Xbox, that's two-time. Yeah, and Kevin Nash. But, T.W., let's put a bow in the 2000s. Again, I, in my humble opinion, he let himself go. But, again, the demons, but he had a name. He, You know, doing the TNA stuff, doing the World Wrestling Council stuff, doing the indie appearances. And, of course, let's just say this. I saw that ESPN documentary, and they called it the Ruster Scott Hall. And that was one of the lowest points when I looked at Scott Hall because there was that one image where he was being carried because he was just so high. He he came from a high In the rain? He, oh, he not was, that. No, I'm talking about the document. He it, at an indie yeah, show. Well, there was, was that yeah, the indie show. Yeah. He was yeah. high in that ring. That, it was like CCW or something yeah. shit. It made Mickey Rourke look like he he was more, you know, he was more with it. He was more put together in his mindset than Scott Hall. Scott Hall was the was what the wrestler was supposed to be, but Mickey Rourke didn't play that play it to that extreme. What's say you to me about the 2000s and then we'll close it, it out? It's funny that you bring up the wrestler because I told you when I first saw the wrestler, I'm like, they they make this guy out to be like Ric Flair or, or Hulk Hogan or even Brett or Sean at, at the level of popularity. And so, you know, it's amazing to me at the time of the movie, I thought, first of all, Ric Flair, if he wanted to come back, someone would take him back, right? So the whole not being able to get booked, it, it was more like the Sheik or Dusty during the Indies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the territory days would be more like it because you didn't make enough money to not wrestle. You know what I mean? Right. But then guys like Scott Hall, Jake Roberts, um, possibly Ric Flair Terry have Hall. gone on to show, no, no, you can't spend all your money and beg someone to book you to wrestle because you got no money left, you know? And so mm-hmm. it's sad in that respect. Um, and again, call me the WWE shill all you want. This is another thing that bothers me is uh, Jeff Hardy is the most recent guy to do it. They have paid for people to go to rehab who burned the bridge with fucking blow torches and bombs, and they still paid for those people to go to rehab when they weren't even working for them and talk shit about them. So for for you know for for Scott Hall to have his redemption story, and most of the credit goes to DDP, but Scott Hall was told by Triple H, if you clean up, you'll get the Hall of Fame. So he gave him something to aspire to. To take mm-hmm. DDP's help. So I, I said it in my tribute to him. I got to meet him a second time as a peer because he got he took that lifeline. Because we all know, and again, we're not kicking him while he's down. You only bring up, it's him. It's, it's part of his legacy is he had bad times. And, and it goes to his quote. But he also busted his ass. So the hard mm-hmm. work part is true. The bad times don't last. Bad guys do last. He, I got to meet him a second time because he took that second chance, but he was well on his way to being dead before 50 years old. 
Mr. Perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, Mr. Perfect died of a cocaine overdose at 43 years old with kids. And that's sad to me. You know what I mean? Like, but mm-hmm. I've never been hooked on cocaine, so I can't even begin to tell you how hard it is to quit. Scott Weiland, I read him say, I don't do heroin because I want to get high. I do heroin because I don't want to feel like I do when I'm not high because the withdrawals are mm-hmm. brutal. So it's not – so when people do drugs and then they relapse, sometimes, you know, everybody wants to say, you fucking junkie, you know, you loser, just quit already. It's way harder than people think. So the key is to just tell people never to start. You know, and sometimes you can't get the people to stop them. We all very talked about Scott all had demons, but I'm glad I, and I think that, that the ESPN thing, I, I'm almost certain that played a role in getting him clean, but I think it was also him getting clean was part of that documentary. Wasn't it? No, it and was so just a, that it was, was the catalyst. A, it was more of a wake up call. It went viral. It there went wasn't viral. a term for viral yeah. and that's mm-hmm. what made the, okay, so that's how DDP reached out. Because but, I think that that no, no, let, let me let me actually answer your question because because of that documentary, of course, he tried to clean up him, himself after the documentary, and he saw what he saw on TV. Those pills then, are stunner, man. then DDP was a, a big contributing factor of getting his life back in order. And then, of course, like I said in the beginning of this spotlight reflection nights, the pandemic was the worst thing to happen to Scott Hall because it locked out everybody. It locked out his opportunities to hang out with his friends and his buddies, and it locked out himself to do business. So, and what do you do? You just have the alcohol in your house, the drugs in your house, and you got nowhere else to do. But anyway, let's just put it, let's just put the bow in this TW. What's the quote that Scott said at the Hall of Fame? And we'll close it out. (sighs) Hard work pays off, but I don't remember that whole part. Um, no, bad times don't last. No, that's the end. Time. That's the end. That That's the only quote that matters. Oh, no. Hard times, hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last. Bad mm-hmm. guys do. And that's but all it's matters. important to say all of it because mm-hmm. uh, I just, I just, I'm glad I got sunglasses on because I just got emotional. There's no denying that guy busted his ass, whether it was to get clean or what he did to get big enough to where he had a problem in the first place. He earned every spot he ever got. He Lost every spot he ever had to his own. Um, as a matter of fact, just go back real quick. He got fired from WCW because he was dating one of the executive's daughters. And when they did a European tour, she used her clout to get a room key and walked in in the room when he was with one of the rats from England. And that's when he, and they caused a scene. They wouldn't let him on the airplane. He ended up flying back the next day with someone else, and they let him go after that. And uh, But the last time he was on TV was Super Brawl. Because that tour happened after that, and so mm-hmm. they, he never made it back to TV. But it was news to him that his last match was on Super Bowl. He didn't even know, but it was because of the girlfriend. She was an executive's daughter, but also in charge of WCW's travel or something. So she mm-hmm. that's how she got the room key. But, you know, I, I, I would just say that, you know, it's, it is a tragedy that he inevitably, his demons won because that's what caused him to fall. Is what mm-hmm. caused him to have the heart attacks because he had to have the surgery from the fall. But I still think I met him in 2013 again because he got clean after that ESPN. So I credit that ESPN I, shining I, a light. I think, I think, in my humble opinion, if it wasn't for the stroke and because the, the lockdowns were, you know, they're loosening those restrictions, DDP would have came back 
Scott Hall would have motivated would have yeah. been motivated to do it again. Third act. I think yeah. he's he would have had a third act and he would have been doing he he want I think he wanted to do the things for for NXT because he still lived down in Florida, I believe. I'm not too I'm not too sure, but I, I don't want to go into that. But anyway, I think he wanted to do more things for for the for the, the wrestling business. NXT was a great like feeder for him to give that knowledge because he was happiest giving that wrestling knowledge to the next generation of wrestlers. And with that being said, we pay homage to Scott Oliver Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, a.k.a. American Starship, a.k.a. Steinman Stud, a.k.a. Gator, Big, and Magnum Scott Hall. Starship Eagle. Whatever. But anyway, I don't like that. But anyway. Texas Scott. Whatever. But anyway, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here. The Pro Wrestling Coalition Network sponsors us. They are the PWC Network at podbean.com. Our show is at PW Reflection. Uh, JB, I mentioned you when we were talking about before we recorded, so we'll throw yours out there at the P1JB. Travis Volts, I think we mentioned you too, at Nuts and Volts PW. That's Volts with a Z, B O E L T Z. I wonder if anybody ever texts either one of them, tweets either one of those guys when we give it out. Uh, and then our good Excellent. man, Big Ray <laughs> Hernandez, I have to ask. You all follow Big Ray. He he did such a good job with the thumbnails all the time, but he did a really nice one for the Scott Hall where he had one picture of each version of them. It was it was real cool. Um, he was so excited about it. He tweeted out before we even recorded the show. Um, mm-hmm. Show everybody. So, that's that's yeah. when you know he loves what he did. Yeah, that he yeah, wants to do you, it quickly. You, so anybody listening to this to Fibia, give Big Ray, if you haven't already, give him a shout-out for the stuff he does for those thumbnails. He blows me away all the time. Sometimes, even like last week, Professor will collaborate with him and tell him, get rid of this picture and put that picture in there. It's perfect. And they do it, and it's like those two want to rub and crash boners into each other. It's just it's a beautiful thing to witness when you see the three of us in our group thread. Uh, and then mine is at TommyWonder19 or at TheTommyWonder19, which, by the way, some smark got, came at me because I'm sure he was an AEW sexual. Is that what you call him? I wasn't even ripping on AEW. I was making fun of a guy who was making fun of somebody saying they were irrelevant, which which the easiest burn ever to do. If you guys want to use it, feel free. Yet here you are talking about him. And so, of course, he goes and looks at my Twitter handle, and my Twitter handle was at the Tommy Wonder because I already have Tommy Wonder 19. I wasn't going to say the Tommy Wonder. That sounds dumb. So I did the Tommy Wonder to be funny. So he thought I was doing it like I was trying to make myself out to be a great big deal. And then it says I host the pod, co-hosted a podcast, Pro Wrestling Reflection, uh, blah, 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 blah. So he made fun of that, too, and I just thought, that's all you got? Like, where did I even mention either one of those things when I responded to what I responded with? Like, it's just so, he said, your ironic Twitter handle, whatever. So it's just stupid. Anyway, so at the Tommy Wonder, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder, um, Snapchat is number wonder, and Ray just asked me for my for my TikTok, and I gave it to him, but I don't remember what the hell it is now. So, and then, of course, Dum Dum Doing an Idiot on YouTube, which we haven't done yet in a while, a video, and then our good friends, the... The Lagrassos, is that how you say their last name? Uh, mm-hmm. I seen, I seen, I seen. Uh, and his, his Russian, his Russian name is coming back into play on one of your posters you shared. Um, so bigvetobrand.wixsite.com and patreon.com backslash the Big Veto Brand for their support. Support them. Mm-hmm. And you can find me on my Twitter at pwsoprof. That's pwsoprof. And 
this is a long ass uh, recording here, so it's gonna <laughs> take a while before this gets on the PWSL networks on the YouTubes. But also follow my guys. Famous my last words. Yeah. Follow my brothers in arms from the PWS, Billy Ray Valentine, Mr. Infinite French. He knows what's going on in Ukraine right now. He gives you the real of what's going on in the Ukraine wars. Follow him at Obi-Wan You Know Me. And, of course, the king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at 8-Track Dastily. What are we going to do next week, Reflections? I don't know. I'm I'm going to have a brain fart right now, but uh, don't worry. I'll keep you on your toes. Episodic. We're not doing a spotlight. We might do a rivalries. Will we go back to the movies? I don't know. Stay tuned, Reflection Nights. Stay tuned. And again, rest in peace to Scott Oliver Hall. I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful, Dr. Freakenstein, Tommy Wonder saying good night and rest in heaven, Scott Hall. Peace. Hey, yo.